on episode 36 of Pixel Gaiden. Ten. Retro Gaming Regrets. Nine. The Evil Gnome Gets a Voice. Eight. Talking Tech with the NES. Gakagami tells us about his Ouya mods. Danica makes another appearance. And Tim gives the Vic 20 some love. Beer from Arizona. A new console rundown. And news, news, news. Time has flown by. Yep, we're still uh, we're still mid COVID, but Eric, I feel like I can like reach out and touch you. <laughs> you you can. <laughs> what? You're right there. Yep, we are in the same room this time with full PPE equipment on, and that is the <laughs> the moon suit. Yeah, we have the moon suit. Um, well, technically, according to our governor in California, Mr. Gavin Newsom, we can we can gather in groups of ten or less. So yeah, this counts. Yep. I mean, I, if, even if you and I both count as two people, because we're kind of a big deal, yeah, that's still only four people. That's true. I was happy to record from remote, but it's much better doing it live. Yeah, I get to see your stuff. You brought stuff to show off. Not much today, because I've, I've slowed my, my purchasing down. Slowed your roll. But, but this, uh, these episodes are all about Pixel Guide and selling out. Are we selling out? Well, we're not selling out. Oh, but, yes, yeah, this, this month. But the theme, the theme is selling out. Selling out. We're, we're Brandon. Yep, playing games with brand names. Six, six good games, and then we also played our two battles. So that's a total of our, uh, our brand name. That's eight. That's eight games. games. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we got like we always say, we got a great episode coming up here. We've got, uh, of course, like we mentioned, our six good games segment where we talk about six good. Um, corporate branded games i don't know we really didn't name it but yeah and I, I was kind of struggling with that at home because i was looking up for ideas so i was looking on google trying to type things and and i was like how what are those called corporate branded games i guess or <laughs> product or brand name games. games yeah something but uh I, I i didn't there wasn't a lack of them there's lots of them so it was it was easy to sift through them and find ones i wanted to play i did a little talking tech episode you'll hear later here uh, about the nintendo entertainment system and uh some kind of tips and tricks on how to fix things and get it up and running in good condition uh you have a sweet little interview for us coming up on this episode yep and he, uh talking about hacking the ouya which i brought because i didn't know if you had seen one before here's the little cube the micro console as it's yeah, called yeah and then the controller um of course a really cool uh small one of the first successful video game kickstart projects, if not the first. Yeah, and lots of money was raised. But I speak with Gamiel Rankin, who is goes by at Gakagami on Gakagami. Twitter. I've been friends with him on Twitter for so long, probably a decade. And that long, uh, wow, okay. And uh, but yeah, no, I've been talking with him a little bit too. And I I got wind of this before you mentioned you were doing this, but very soon after you're like, yeah, he's on the show. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Hacking the hardware and software. He, he actually added a little, a minor hardware upgrade, but it was pretty interesting to hear about it. Huh. 
Cool. Uh, and then we've got Tea Time with Tim, as usual. Uh, I think it's a surprise episode, because I haven't actually heard it yet. I haven't heard what it is. Yeah, me either. So, so. I get, you, you guys will be uh, the second to know after we <laughs> find out here uh, when I edit the episode together. But, like we do on Pixel Guide End, the first of every month, we start with some quick questions. Quick questions! Am I going to go first? Eric, I think you have to go first now. <laughs> yeah. I had to get... You gave me a little uh, a little foretaste of this because I know what's about to happen here. Yeah. And I'm, I've been dreading it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But I want to point out that we've got some new sound clips. Uh, our, our boy 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast. Yep, Doug. Douglas. Yep. Uh, went ahead on his Amiga and made some sound clips for us to use uh, on the odd occurrence that this terrible event happens. <laughs> um, so you might hear some sound effects here. Now, these were these were created on an Amiga. Yeah, so they're retro clips. They are retro clips. They were sent to me in two file formats. One was an SVX8 file. Which, that should play on an Amiga. I, I, that's Greek to me. Okay. I saw that thing and I'm like, huh, that's cute. I don't know what to do with that. And then, of course, he did uh, convert it to a WAV file. Um, I don't know. He probably found a way to do it on an Amiga. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so I've got some clips here. So thank you in, in advance for do- those, Doug. Um, but yeah, quick questions. What your, what's your first question there, Eric? All right, here we go. Oh, no. You uh-huh, are uh-huh, walking uh-huh. down the street. Oh, just minding my business, doing absolutely whatever I want. Just... In San Francisco. <laughs> and you see the convention center, and it's an anime it's an anime convention. So I turn the other direction. Okay. No, because you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and there's no bathroom. Well, actually, that's true. In San Francisco, you have to pay to go to the bathroom half but, the time. That's so. right. And you got to go pretty bad. So okay. you pay the fee to get in. Wow. You, you go in, and it's just all about anime. And, and you're looking at things here and there. And you see a room that says restrooms, and you go through the door. And it's dark, and you're wondering why, but the door closes behind you and locks. <gasps> click, click. And out from behind a cutout of Robotech is of Robotech. <laughs> the evil gnome. Ah! The evil gnome has appeared. Why does he laugh like an evil villain? <laughs> like a <laughs> well, because well, that, that, he is an evil villain. Well, okay, that's true. Is he going to take over the world? So behind him, mm-hmm. you see two orbs of light. These get so specific. He snaps his fingers at one of them and says, and, and you see something in there that's familiar. You snap his other fingers, something else familiar in the other orbs. And then he tells you this. He says, look down and your pants are gone. Ah. Ah, what happened to your pants? Pants are gone. <laughs> And you have to go to the bathroom, so you're like... Why do I never learn in these scenarios? Why do I sit there and listen to this guy and then do what he says? I don't understand. I, I don't know. He tells you that you must enter one of these orbs to escape. And in each one is an alternate reality. The first one is Doki Doki Literature Club that <laughs> is in real life, and you have to live the whole experience oh, that's terrible. Okay. to get to the end. And then the other one is Resident Evil. You must play through it all to get out to the other end. Good gracious. In real life. In real life. Which one do you choose? I mean, it seems easy to me. 
I mean, okay. they both sound awful. Right. Uh, Resident Evil is terrifying, and I actually get hurt. That's true. Like, multiple times, and I have to eat leaves to somehow regain my health after I'm bleeding. <laughs> That's true. Um, I probably die a bunch and then have to go back to my typewriter to restart. Uh, or I have to basically be completely safe myself and selfish while other people around me are experiencing issues. That's true. <laughs> but in that case, I don't physically have to hurt. No, that's get, true. I mean, it'll still be terrifying, but it's mentally terrifying, not not um, zombies attacking me. So I'm going to have to go with Doki Doki. Doki Doki Literature Club it is. And I get to meet Yuri. You get to meet Yuri. You do. <laughs> that's true. Woo! That works for me. Excellent. Oh, wait, wait not, there's a whole another level here. Okay. Am I in high school as well? Otherwise, it's creepy. Like, extra creepy. Yeah, you'd be in high school. Okay, we're good. Yeah, we're yeah. good. <laughs> What's your answer? My, I, I thought about it a lot, and <laughs> even though I think it would be more action and... Uh, not fun, but it would be more action doing the Resident Evil, I'd pick the Doki Doki in the Literature Club only because the two reasons I thought of were the same as you did. Like, you, you personally wouldn't get hurt, but... Also, it's shorter, <laughs> right? Shorter, okay, yeah. I think I could click through the Doki Doki <laughs> adventure a little faster click, click, click. than the Resident Evil one. For people don't know, Doki Doki Literature <clears throat> is a free game you can play on Steam, and you should play it. It's awesome. And it's uh, basically kind of a visual novel thing. It's pretty much like an, a little bit of an interactive visual novel, yeah. But it's very Japanese and very, uh, you know, talking to schoolgirls, and it seems like a dating simulator, but then a weird twist happens, and it's... I don't like those type of games, but once the twist happens, you're in, and it's cool. Like, it is creepy, and it's a horror game, but it's it's good. Yep. Um, so now that we've made our decisions, what what happens? Yogurt! <laughs> exactly. You exit out the other end, sliding down a slide with yogurt on it. <laughs> and if you guys are new to Pixel Guide and none of this made any sense to you, go back and listen to our 35 previous episodes, please. It's canon. It's all canon. You gotta read it. I gotta catch up. Yep. Now I have to mention that Doug made one more sound effect that I don't think we'll ever be able to use again because it was a one-time joke, inside joke. <laughs> but it, it has a little something to do with uh, an, a hot take Eric had a few months ago. Um, why are you juggling those guys, Eric? Yeah, we need to retire that one. We don't, we don't need to bring that one up again. <laughs> well, Doug did, so yeah. blame him. <laughs> but seriously, thank you, Doug. Those are fun. Yeah, those um, are awesome. They'll, they'll make... A reoccurring appearance on the show. Maybe not that last one. <laughs> right. Um, awesome. Uh, next quick question comes to us from our boy Tim. All righty. From the UK, Sanction. Uh Gaming merch. Did you have any cool game-related swag back in the day that you wish you had kept until now? Do you want to go first? I want to let you go first. Okay, because I, I really can only remember one. And that, I brought it up once on the show before. Um, I had an Atari 5200. Um, I, in the, in, the, in the instruction manual, it said, hey, if you get this score, take a Polaroid of the screen and send it in. Yeah. And to Activision, and you would get the patch, the, patch. the River yeah, Raiders yeah, patch. Yeah, I heard about that. And I, I sat there, and I, it took me a couple days. I got to the score had the Polaroid ready, took the picture, and I got the patch. And I had that for a long time, years. My mom sewed it onto my hat. Yeah. And I had that hat for a long time, and then it just got lost to time, and I don't have it anymore, and yeah, I really that, that, wish that I had it. That would be cool. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. So I went up and looked up what some of those um, scores were Yeah, for you to get those the patches oh, okay i don't i have no i don't even remember so i went back because i had a uh on playstation 
2, they had like an Activision collection. Okay. And it's pretty cool how they put it together and you have a little uh, catalog of games, 30 games, and you, you know, you're in a room on the TV. You're in a room yeah. with like a bunch of 80s stuff and there's 80s music playing in the background. And you got to pull out your cartridges and put them in the Atari and then play the game. Yeah. So I was playing the actual game. This is just a cool emulation, you know, uh, GUI. And uh, uh, I went ahead and pulled those up. And with, like the first night, I beat like four of those. I would have gotten like four patches. Yeah. Like I spent time on each one. I didn't learn it first, but I spent maybe an hour on each game. So in like four hours, I would have earned four patches. So I'm like, I thought these would have been a lot harder, but... Video games were in their infancy back then. That's right. I've got years and years of playing now. Yeah. Compared to people back then who are like, this is, you know. Yeah. My and big- I don't remember how long or how many hours I spent to get to those scores, but River Raider was one of my favorites, so I was probably pretty good at it, so I could, can't imagine it would take me that long. The item I wanted to show you here, let me, come, let me get it. It's up here. Don't mind me. That thing rolls around. All right, I'm back. Um... These, most of the stuff that I can think of as far as swag, yeah. I wish I had my Master System 2 back, but that's a whole system, not a right. not swag. Sure. These were the cards, and I still have them. Um, I got rid of a ton of them, though. But these are the cards you'd get from Nintendo Power. Every issue of Nintendo Power would have a uh, fold-out or whatever, a, a page in the middle of cardboard with nine cards on it. And there are all these games, and there's facts on the back. Yeah. And, uh, and you can collect them, but the main thing i saw is in the back of the magazine it said if you have uh three of the same card send it into us and if that's the card that month you'll win a free something it was something different every time right wow so i totally went in there and they said here's the three winning cards uh and it was one i had three of and i freaked out and so i took all three of them i emailed and or emailed (laughs) I snail mailed them in, <laughs> yeah, uh, and sent them in. I'm like, cool! I won the thing, and I was so excited. Um, and they wrote back and told me, sorry, that wasn't the correct one this month. So it turns out you take three when you get three, and you mail them in, which costs you money. And then basically, you hope that's the one they picked the following month. Uh, I thought it was like I have three of the one you want that is the winning one this month. Yeah, which of course, I don't did know. did they at least send the cards back to you? Uh, no. Oh. So that's what I missed, my three cards that I sent in. Do you remember what the game was? I don't know, no. But yeah, I mean, these are all cool, like NES, Faceball, 2000, Tetris, Yoshi, Street Fighter 2, Metroid, Lemmings. Um, who the guy who made, one of the guys who made Lemmings is... Do you is, know, uh, I, I I never, because I, I didn't have a Nintendo when I was a kid, I, I never had a Nintendo Power Magazine. Yeah, I was. I mean, it was a classic. I love I love yeah. Nintendo. And so that's what I'll go with, uh, Nintendo Power Magazine, actually, because I had a box... About the size of one of these boxes, probably 50, 60 issues in it. Yeah. And when I got my first house here in Elk Grove 15 years ago, I dumped them on somebody. A uh, garage sale just to take them. Yeah. And that kills me that I got rid of all those. So I that bet. would probably be it. Um, the other one kind of related. That relates to this. And then I had two controllers, which they wore away, so I had to get rid of them. But in Nintendo Power, they had these overlays to make your Nintendo controllers look modern and cool yeah and of course at that point it was like early 90s so one made it look like a like a circuit board kind of thing and another one had like fireworks and you just put it over the top of your nintendo controller to make it look different yeah and so the fireworks one was always controller one the motherboard was controller two <laughs> but it wore away yeah. so i'm gonna go with those right on cool all right <clears throat> um we want to go ahead and tell you guys about the show, where you can get more information, how you can get a hold of us. So, Eric, you're good at that. How about you give that a <laughs> shot? 
So if you want to learn about our oh, wait, show, you know what? what's up? Let's do some music. All Eric. right. Are you feeling? You want? To, are we going big time or going hip hop? Let's do some hip hop. Yeah, I like it. All right, Eric. Tell us about the show information. Yo yo yo. <laughs> I said tell us. Oh, tell us. Okay. <laughs> we we don't want to hurt him with the rap. Yeah. With your mad flows. So, if you want to know more about the show, you're gonna to go to pixelguiden.com. Yeah, you are. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you're gonna to go to at pixel underscore guiden. That's where we're at. I am at at dub project d u h project. Cody is at oddball o d d b a one one four nine. I am. And Tim Drew is at sanction s a n x i o n. If you want to, and we encourage this. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we really would like some feedback. We love your feedback. Yep. And that's it. That is it. I'll stop it there. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a good way to get out of that, but. Right. Um, and. Yeah. Uh, we also are on Patreon. Patreon. I can never say that. Patron. Patreon. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to throw a few bucks our way and support the podcast, we appreciate it. Uh, I hadn't mentioned this yet to anybody. Um, we'll, we'll get to it in a second here, but we're thinking about doing some, potentially doing a few new things with the show, uh, and it'll, it'll cost a few bucks. So, um, but feel, no need, no need. But if you want to, uh, go ahead and join us. Uh, there's a few Patreons that we like to support or that we like to announce and, and tell you their names. Um, but we have a couple new ones we want to talk about real quick here. Uh, First of all, well, you've got a couple uh, emails you wanted to read, right? Uh, yeah, but we should t- say their name first. <laughs> well, isn't that part of the email? <laughs> well, read, read the first email. Oh, here, so I you're going to make me say it. All right, all right. Let me pull <laughs> this up. Um, I had you, this. You've uh, got to build the suspense here. Okay, here we go. So the first one is from Dan Heavey. Okay. I think it's Heavey. 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 H E V E E Y. Wait, how do you, how do you put it? Don? I think it's Dane. Don? I think the N's silent. Da? da ooh. I think that's it. Da. We'll just go with da. It's da. <laughs> so Dan's been a good friend of mine for on Twitter for a long, long time. Um, Although we cannot, I don't know if it's heavy or heavy. Yeah, I don't know that. That's true, because I've never heard him say it himself. H-E-V-E-Y, so I'm assuming... I swear, if the name was John Smith, we wouldn't get it right. We would not get it right. No. <laughs> Jahone. All right, so let me find this message here. Um, he, simply, he said, uh, I thanked him for the Patreon. He said, uh, I figured it was about time. I really enjoyed the podcast. Thank short, you, sir. Short, short and sweet. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate it, Dan. We appreciate uh, you listening. Now, the other guy, he jokes. Um, before I say his name, I'm going to read the email here. He said, hi, guys. Thought I would become a patron to hear how you're going to deal with pronouncing my name. Called it. <laughs> On serious note, you're my favorite retro-related podcast. Keep up the awesome work. Now, that is awesome. I appreciate that. That's, That's... really sweet to say, because there's a lot of choices out there. As they say, like on TV, they say, we, we know, know you have a lot of choices we know when you it have comes to retro-gaming, exactly. retro-gaming and retro-related <laughs> podcast but to be someone's favorite that's uh that's pretty that's really cool to hear and to thank you we're gonna brutalize your name now <laughs> we're gonna butcher it so you want to go first you're on me to I'll, I'll give this bad boy a shot go for it so i think his last name's i think i got it it's okay. it's sosnowski right so I mean, that would be phonetically how it's spelled sosnowski. sosnowski now his first name so we're in agreement on that that's I, okay. officially the wrong answer from retro, retro uh pixel guide in i'm gonna say his first name is Massage. Massage. That, that looks phonetically how I would say it. Um, 
I'll play devil's advocate and say it's see it's so it's M A C I E J. Um, I, I want to say like Massier, but that's the last name is uh, not. I don't think he's French. No, uh, so I want to say Massiege. Massiege. What did I say? Massiege. <laughs> massiege. Like like uh, like you're trying to be fancy when you went to the massiege parlor. Yeah, massiege. <laughs> no, no, I would not say that. Okay, so anyway, that's it. Massiege. We, we, Sosnowski. We brutalized it. Yeah, we did. All right, we're going in the uh, Ford and Time machine here. Ooh. Did a little research. So, apparently, if our research is correct, I didn't look up Sosnowski. We're sticking with that. But uh, it looks like it is a Polish name. Okay. Uh, from what I can tell. And it's Maciej, which is much easier to say than it looks like. <laughs> Maciej. Okay. Maciej Sosnowski. That's what we're going with. Okay. I'm well, sure he'll still correct us. But... I would love it if he would send us a MP3 file and with him pronouncing it. <laughs> there you go. Or else you just call and do an interview. You, soon you, that's true. We should get him in an interview. Get Maybe I'll, I'll do that in the future here. That's a all good right. idea. Perfect. We also want to go ahead and thank all of our patrons. If you'd like to uh, send a few bucks our way and help support the show financially, please go ahead and do that at patreon.com. Uh, in order to thank our patrons, we'd like to go ahead and do some little fun. We pull out our random adjective generator, and we go ahead and announce their names in a fun and freaky way. This time, we're going to the movies. Coming this summer from Pixel Gaiden Studios. An adventure that will steal your heart and will never let go. Starring the discreet Tim Drew, the rightful Jim Tessier, the obedient Henrik Lofel, the first, Gary Heather. The absurd, Dustin Newell. The dusty, Matthew Agnes. Rotten, Daniel James. The cautious, Josh Malone. The voiceless, Eric Sandrin. But the star-studded cast doesn't end there. Coming out of retirement, the silly, David Vincent. The wandering, 10-minute, Amiga retrocast. The hysterical, David Modelak. The hallowed, Roy Fielding. The abhorrent Mr. Toast. The festive Team Grey all the way. The nifty Maciej Sosnowski. And the ethereal Dan Heavy in Pixels to Die For. Thank you guys for your patronage. Again, we really appreciate it. I know we get a little goofy there with the with the call-outs, but... <laughs> um, but that's what your hard, hard dollars go to, hard-earned dollars go to when you donate to Pixel Guide. That's right. Us making that nonsense. Um, this is a part of the show where we drink beer. Oh. So let's drink beer. I want to. Um, I'll let you surprise us, surprise me on which one you want to start with here. Okay. It's an icy cold glass. Icy cold glass. And as, as, as always, while I pick this out, I'm going to start... Spitting off some errata and feedback from the previous two episodes last month. As you guys know, we record twice, uh, well, one night, and we record two episodes. So last month's episodes, I noticed a couple things. First of all, okay, the very last episode, uh, which honestly I didn't listen until today, <laughs> the final thing all the way through, um, we opened a package from our boy Tim, and I opened it for probably two minutes. And it the 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 noise I made while opening that package was violent. Oh, and was aggressive. 
<laughs> and I could barely hear anybody over my own package opening. So I want to apologize for the... Uh... <laughs> I actually listened to that while I was mowing the lawn. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. So I could barely uh, hear the ambiance. So you, you could probably hear the crunchy bars as, yeah, I, as exactly. I shattered through them. Speaking of crunchy bars, I also want to point out, uh, in that package from Tim was a box in which there had originally been 48 crunchy bars. It said yes. 48 crunchy bars. He made it part of the packaging, and then he proceeded to use the crunchy bars to package my computer he sent me as shipping peanuts, basically. So we got a bunch of crunchy bars. I was stoked, and I'm like, cool, 48 crunchy bars. 24 for Eric, 24 for me. Wrong! Oh, did you over? Did you send me a lot? Too many? No. You, you. I went to divide them up. Yeah. It said 48 crunchy bars, Tim. How come Eric and I only had 16 to split between? You stole 10. What? <laughs> now he gifted them to us, but yeah. still. Stingy, wow. stingy, stingy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and the funny thing is a lot of those crunchies, my daughter loves them. So we've been going through them and a lot of them are, are fine. And some of them are really smashed up in oh, the wrapper. Yeah, yeah. So they, they did their job. Or, or did I give you all the bad ones? Eh, maybe. Uh, that was broken. That's Eric's. Nobody in my family cares. It's all That's edible. Clovers. That's Eric's. Yeah, well, we just eat them. It doesn't matter. Here's a pristine one. That's for me. That's for Papa Bear. <laughs> um, and then uh, I wanted to check and see if you did, in fact, destroy your son I'm glad in Smash Brothers. I'm glad like we're you revisiting. Said we would. <laughs> I'm glad you're revisiting this. Um, I, indeed, I, I whooped him pretty badly. Did you really? No, I'm, I'm being honest. And he's a great, great gamer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a great, great gamer, uh, but mostly modern games. Um, he plays Smash Bros. That is a um, modern game. He's, he plays Smash Bros. Um, a bit with his little brother. Um, but... But you made him look silly. But, yeah, I know. I, I beat him, and then I beat him over, and I beat him over. <laughs> and, and, and I do that nowadays because, I, I, you Eric. know, he's 15. <laughs> Well done, sir. Thank you. This is a celebration for fathers everywhere. He's 15, so he beats me in any game we play. But this one, I, I beat him, <laughs> and then I and then I just kind of been joking around with him about it. He's good. good. Na- he's, he's good natured about it. But Better rip him for the rest of his life, and never play any game that he likes from now on. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just force him to play that game. So you heard me pour my beer. Yep. And there's, this beer's got some history here. This does. So you went ahead and pulled out this red canned beer here. This was sent to us from 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast, Douglas himself. The guy who made the sound effects, yes. Uh, he did send us a package, and that package was some um, Intellivision games that not only Eric has been wanting, a few that I've been wanting, and a few that, uh, actually one, I think, in particular, that Tim has been wanting. Apparently, they're a lot more expensive over in the UK, so um, we're going to forward that one on to Tim, and I think you and I are each throwing a few in for Tim that we have doubles of. Yep. Um, so that'll be coming. Uh, but in that, he included a six-pack of delicious beer. Yes, which is an interesting interesting beer, at least fra- on the on the, the canned writing itself. So I'm trying to <laughs> decipher what beer, what, what, what the heck's going on here. So what? it says Barrio Rojo, which is what? Red, like neighborhood and then red? Yeah, red neighborhood. But then it says it's a Scottish-style amber <laughs> yes. ale. So right there, I'm a little confused. <laughs> and then there is a very attractive cowgirl. Yes. Leaning up against a lamppost. Well, um, her silhouette's attractive. I mean, she... She could be a... She could be a butterface. <laughs> oh, man. Fine from far, but far from fine. Um, no, it looks like a, 
It looks like a good beer. It's just a little. It's got an identity crisis. Yeah, but it's from Tucson, Arizona, so it's local. I think to yep. to Doug, um, local, independent, native, and apparently won a couple of uh, 2018 New York International Beer Competition silver medal. Yep. 2018 North American Brewers Association silver medal, and then three years went by for some reason because in 2015, uh, Great American Beer Festival bronze medal winner. So I guess they made it a little bit better over the next three years and got silvers. I yeah. want to try this bad boy. Let's do it, because I, I do like amber ales. So. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers to Doug. To Doug. Doug, this one's for you. We're enjoying this uh, frothy goodness. Pour out a little for my homie. <laughs> Your homie Doug in Tucson, Arizona. It's good. It's good. It is really good. That's an amber ale. So we had two amber ales last um, last month. Yes, we did. Uh, one I liked better than the other. I liked the boom. Yes. And then, um, what was the other one? Wasn't as good. One, the one I provided. I don't remember the, I don't remember the name, but I do remember we liked the boom better. We both kind of agreed on that. They were, they, neither was bad. I mean, the, the, the worst one, quote unquote, wasn't that bad though. It was no, it was still good. good. Yeah, it was a good one. Now that being said, I do want to, uh, to point out, I did get a new keg on my kegerator. Ah. So downstairs, maybe we'll have one of those later, but it is on Alaskan Amber, which is, one of my favorite beers, period. I would love to have some. And of it's that probably too. my favorite. It's an amber, but it doesn't taste. Um, it tastes like its own kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this is a good solid amber. It's got something, um, some kind of kick to it that's not in you know a basic amber. It's got something more going on. It's a little bit sweet, but a little like maybe this is the kick you're talking about. It almost tastes like it's, it's got a little sweetness, but it almost tastes like peppers in there. Like a little bit of pepper. Getting, yeah. It, um, Not spicy pepper, but almost like black pepper. Like um, something that, uh, it sounds bad, something astringent, but just like a. Yeah. Me, me, yeah. I mean, it's got a little bite to it, but. Yeah, peppery. The overall, that's what I think it tastes like. Like black hmm. pepper, like a little sweet red ale with a little black pepper in it. It's good. It's really it's really good. good. And it's an amber ale. There's not, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's simple. It's got that pepper thing going on. It makes it a little more complex, but. Yep. I'm ready to rate. So out of, uh, well, she's wearing boots. So out of uh, Tucson, Arizona. So now out of 18 spurs. Okay. Now pairs of spurs or? No, these are individual spurs. Okay, individual spurs. Not a single uh, spy. What's what's singular for spur? (laughs) I guess spur, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, eight out of eighteen spurs. You you want me to go first? Yeah, I really like it, and I, I'm a big fan of red ales. Same here. Hmm. I'm gonna I got give my it. Number. I'm gonna give it. Want to do a three, two, one? We both say it at the same time. Sure. Three, two, one. Sixteen. 15. All right. What did you say? I said fifteen. Okay. Well, we're right there. Yeah. Split the difference. Fifteen point five. If my core math is right. Joint. Uh, yeah. Between all four of us. Remember, we each count as two people. <laughs> I want to make sure you got the joke there. If I have to explain it, it's not funny. My bad. I'm sorry. No, I like this one. It's good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Doug. Um, quick questions is done. Yes, it Our is. beer is poured. That means it's time for, wait, not the news. No. I have a special treat for us, Eric. Awesome. Okay. This is the upcoming console rating Bonanza! So I got a little folk music running behind here so we can 
talk about these upcoming consoles, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> and what we think about them. So we live in a sweet golden age of retro video game love. Yes. Where all kinds of new stuff's coming out. Oh, yeah. Unique stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's six projects right now that are... Well, there are five projects out there right now that are going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah, we still want to rate that sixth one, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. that's. And so I want to just simply give a letter grade to each one of these on... Basically, our level of interest, based, regardless of if we want it or not, just what we give the project as a whole. Yeah, we look at it, we evaluate it, and we're just saying this is what we think it would be based on. Now, we could be totally wrong about this because it, it hasn't come out yet. So Absolutely. None that's of not the, the point. That's no, not the point. Yeah. Like, the project as a whole, not the end result, but the project. The, the project, whole. well, the project based on what we've heard. Because we don't know anything for facts. They could be promising the moon and they deliver a turd. So, yep. But based on yeah. how, how they're raising money, how they're going to market, how, yep. they're, how they're doing everything. <laughs> yeah. One of these will be easy to rate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to, I was looking through you. I think I'm familiar with all these. The playdates want the little crank on it, right? Well, there you go. I went ahead and threw that one out. But yes. Okay. Yes, there it is. Well, I just want to make sure before we start, I don't sound stupid. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll start with that one. Um, okay. The playdate. The first three items here are handhelds. The next... The last three are consoles, kind yeah. of. So let's start with the Playdate. Okay. The you play- want to describe it a little bit? Yeah. The, the Playdate is a small uh, yellow. <laughs> At least the one we've been seeing is yellow. Yep. Um, and it was on the cover of Wired Magazine. And it's a little uh, handheld video game device that everyone got really excited about. Um, it looks cool. I don't know why it necessarily got as much hype as it did. Because I haven't seen, like, games announced for it. Right. It really is just hardware. And I think somehow somebody needed someone at Wired and it made it blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the it looks like it, uh, it looks well built just by the renders, but I haven't seen it in person. Yep. Or seen anybody hold it in person. Right. Uh, but its big thing is, hey, we're making a new retro video game device that has a crank on the side. Yep. Which would make it good for, like, a fishing game. Yep. But I believe it I believe it to be black and white, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. From what I remember about it, it is monochrome black and white, which will probably do very well for the battery life on this. That's um, true. That is true. Um, because I also think it's like that e-reader kind of display. I mean, I might be totally wrong on that. But um, I, I, yeah, I think it's black and white, and, and they haven't announced any... Games for I mean I so we, we're looking at a picture of it right now I like the industrial look of it yeah I mean the, the just the design of their the way they went to market everything's yellow and gray really yeah. clean and bold and uh, you can tell industrial design whoever made this is really good at industrial design they ha- must have some kind of background or they got really lucky um, but everything down to the imagery and everything it just it's a glorified piece of hardware not in a bad way. Um, that being said, I couldn't tell you a single game on here. I can tell you nothing about what it does. I don't even know the format of how the games are going to be put on here. Right. I'm guessing it's probably just a plug-in SD, internet, Wi-Fi. I don't, probably not Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's got two buttons and a D-pad. Yep. Um, kind of a funky shape. It's almost square, actually. Uh, if you look at just the outside edge, but the screen itself is kind of a. And the typical... company is the company called Playdate, or is there a company name and the things called Playdate? Uh, looks like it's called Playdate. Everything, right. like, everything's teenage uh, engineering. Uh, that was our crank. The, the crank, crank came is from, from them. Teenage okay, engineering. okay, okay. And they make that one synthesizer that's 
ridiculously expensive for some reason. Oh, do they? It's called the OP-1. I don't huh. know if you've seen it. I haven't, but... Anyway, um, I guess this is the part where we're going to... We're going to talk about it a little bit, right? I mean, about the good and bad stuff about it. Are we going to debate this and then grade it, or are we just going to grade it and then debate yeah, it? I don't think we have time for all that. Let's okay. just, are we kind of talk, what, is there anything negative about it? I mean, we kind of threw it out there. I love the hardware. I, I love the looks of the hardware, but take the crank off, okay? Really? Take, oh, okay. Well, well okay. let's just say, okay. take the crank off. What do you got? You got a uh, truncated Game Boy. Right, a black and white truncated Game Boy with a D-pad and two buttons. Yep. With no no games really announced for it. Yep. Now you throw the crank on there, and that's kind of the the little the what 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 is uh um what's his name on uh, amigos? What's his name? I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, who? Wait, I can't remember. Eric. Exactly, I can't remember the name. Um, but he'll say, you know, it's a gimmick. He, he it's a gimmick. He, he says gimmick. <laughs> the crank de- could that's be definitely Aaron. <laughs> the, the crank could be a gimmick, right? Yep. Yeah, Aaron. That's his name, Aaron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just kidding. He's not um, the one that forgets our name. No, he's so not. Like, I shouldn't do that, that to other him. Guy. It's that other guy. Jimmy? Johan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. It wasn't you. But I think the crank's kind of a gimmick, so I'm going to give this a C. Yeah. Um, Hardware-wise, yeah, I would give it like a BB plus for construction, mm-hmm. ingenuity, and it's kind of unique. I know nothing about... And it's been out for a while now. They've been talking about it for a while. I don't know anything about a price. I don't know anything about games. I don't know anything about how it's coming to market. Yep. Um, so I feel like it's stalled. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it hasn't, they haven't updated people very well. So yeah, I think I'll agree with you on that. I'm gonna, actually, I wanna, I'll say C-. minus. Okay. I'm curious and interested, but that's about it. And me too. I, I really am. Because I, li- I love these little handheld games. Like the little... Uh, I have a... Like the Arduino little... Uh, little tiny game thing and i i i'm a fan of these kind of things but i gotta see more on this cool so all what's right. the next one next evercade. one is the evercade all right you describe this one so the evercade is a handheld has a d-pad on the left four buttons on the right uh menu button select start it's a color screen that's pretty pretty decent sized color screen and i it, it looks like it's probably uh not not it's not square like a game it's a boy. four by three actually it's a four by three um that yeah, it doesn't look like four by three but okay that, that's um, what they said it, is it okay yeah I... but the gimmick if i can quote aaron the gimmick on this one is that it comes with cartridges oh that's just the dirt worst <laughs> that oh, is no. the dirt worst <laughs> sorry um, aaron no. we're the... loving on that my wife keeps saying that by the way does she she heard like him say it once She's listened to more of their show than she's listened to ours Eric, oh, at this point. I that's show, sad. I keep showing her John singing. Oh, yeah. And she'll try to guess the, the, the song and stuff, but yeah. she can't hear me say, Welcome to Pixel Gaiden without getting embarrassed about me. <sighs> but I love her. All right. <laughs> Did I just stop this dead in its exactly. <laughs> Talk about your wife. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Regroup. All right. All right. We got our folk music back. <laughs> So cartridges, and the cartridges don't have just one game on them. They typically have collections of what, like three to five games or something like that? Oh, more than that. Are they? Yeah, some of them have uh, 15, 20 games. On one cartridge? Yeah. Are you crazy? What? That can't be real! But it is. Build on this, it looks a little cheap. A little cheapy. Not not bad, but I mean, it looks it looks like it could be. Now I, I've never held one, I so never I don't know. It's funny because uh, I've heard a lot of people on YouTube and stuff who have got their hands on one ahead of time. Okay, and everyone talks well about it. Now, mm-hmm. 
we can't go ahead and uh, say that because we didn't get our free copy yet. Not yet. At Pixel Guided. Yeah, they, they haven't recognized so us yet. So I'd like yet. them to go ahead and send that. Please, if you guys at Evercade could send us our free console, we'll, uh, we will, we'll even pay shipping. Um, so at, I, at first I was skeptical on this. It looked cheapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like the pre-rendered graphics or the design was too good to be true. But then the actual product looks just like the renderings. So it actually looks really cool to me. Um, my and, and it's cartridges. I mean, that's what I want. I want modern um, cartridges. I want, I want cartridges again. I want to buy those. Yep. Uh, so I was skeptical. And th- I mean, this is more or less what the uh, Coleco Chameleon was going to be, but this is a handheld that plays cartridges, right? Right. And the other one went haywire. The price tripled and all, ter- all, all kinds of stuff happened. Uh, long story short, not only did they release it, it is now, you know, it's been up for pre-order and it's been released now in small quantities. Actually, the main release is going to happen probably before the show comes out. Um, you can buy it on Amazon right now. Uh, the cartridges sleekly popping at the back. It looks like it's great, got great fit and finish. Um, and they've got a whole bunch of licensed titles. Um, which I don't personally care for, but then they started adding these new compilations from groups like, um, oh, what's the new one here that does like Coffee Crisis and it's like um, Mega Cat Studios? Is yeah, Mega Cat Studios, uh, Pico Interactive, their games, um, yeah. Bitmap Bureau. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, those are the guys who, um, oh, I'm blanking on them. Anyways, the, all kinds of good stuff, new stuff, and, uh, so I, I thought this was going to come out at like 200 bucks and it's going to be $40 a cartridge because that's what things are. Right. Uh, no, this thing is $80 if you want just the console. Okay. $100 if you want it with three cartridges. And all the cartridges are $19.99 moving forward. Now, this I was going to save this for the news, but I'll mention it now. They also announced that they've got uh, like dozens of cartridges lined up and they're going to release... Um, forget, they're trying to figure... They did a poll on how they want to release them. And essentially, I, I voted for one a month. They basically said we can do like four at a time every four months, or we can do one a month. I'm like, I want to drip feed us. I love it. Like every month, I want to see what the new cartridge is, and I want to buy it. I am sold on this. I want to buy it. I want to get the new cartridges, and I'm hoping uh, it's not just a bunch of old compilations. I'm hoping they can do more and more new games, indie stuff that I can own on a physical cartridge for 20 bucks without having to go through limited run games to... You know, it's awesome, and it, and it's out, and it's priced right, and it's available, and it's thriving. Cool. At least it looks like it. Yeah. I don't feel like you you have quite the same enthusiasm as I do. I do. Um, I do. I I, I and and to to boot, I know you don't like buying the cartridges of the older games. Well, I mean, why get like the older games, like the Atari mm-hmm. Collection or Data East Collection? I I actually dig that kind of stuff. I like it. Perfect. So. Um, and the boxes, box, boxes and packaging all look top-notch. And for 20 bucks each, I might go buy those just to, again, collector mentality, just to put them on the shelf. Yep. Um, also, the screen is very sizable. Yeah. So I think it's awesome. I give this, <clears throat> without having it in my hand, Yep. an A-. minus. Cool. I think it's I, they did great. I'm going to give it a B plus. And I say did because it's out. I mean, yeah, it's, no, you're right. It's done. I, I I think I probably will pick this up eventually. I, I want to see that what price. I will. I want to see what new cartridges come out. I want to see 
I want to see stuff like that. But but for right now, if it's readily available where I can order it from Amazon and I and people are getting it, mm-hmm. I'll probably order it in the next couple of months. And that should happen before this episode comes out. Now you can't order the when you get the three cartridges. They're they're packs where they pick the cartridges. I think Correct. we've talked about this on the show before. Correct. Yep. Okay. Cool. Awesome. So yep. far, our, so far, our winner. Yep. How about the analog pocket? This is a whole different beast. Yep. Yeah, what do you remember about this device? I remember that it was by Analog, who makes the NT console, which is kind of like um, higher end, super premium, super premium high end machine. Um, so I think its design's going to be kind of above reproach here. I bet it's, I bet it's very slick. I mean, look at that. I mean, seamless. Yeah, it looks simpler and um, almost machined. Yep. Um, the Evercade had more visual impact, but this looks like it's going to be a nice, small, dense, very functional. Um, I mean, everything they do has been very well received. Now, it does have a much smaller screen, which it does. Yep. my biggest issue at this point, maybe because I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm getting older. That's true. Small screens. I don't care for them. Um so this is basically, it looks like it's going to be about the size of a the Game Boy Pocket, mm-hmm. which is why they call it the Analog Pocket. Um, same button configuration as the Game Boy, except it adds two more buttons, kind of like a Super Nintendo. Um, and does it have shoulder buttons on the back? Don't recall. There it is right there next to a Game Boy Pocket. Yeah. Um, there you go. It's a three and a half inch screen with really high resolution, so it's going to look amazing. Um... And it's going to be capable, sometimes with adapters, but capable of playing games from the Lynx, the Atari Lynx, the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which I love, uh, Game Boy Advance, uh, Game Boy, uh, that's Game Boy Color, I guess, there, and Game Gear. So it really is just an emulation machine with an FPGA in it, though. It is. Um, They're not redesigning the wheel here, they're refining it. That's all I have to say about that, Eric. What do you think? I like this. Um, based on the cost that I've saw, and that you have to buy, you have to buy um, the adapter separately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, I would love to own one. I probably won't buy this because I think it's way too expensive. So, I actually was surprised because the other stuff did a lot more. Mm-hmm. One ninety nine for the for the pocket. And that, and out of the box, it compatible with the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. That's out of the box. And then, if you want, you can buy the analog dock. Yep. So you can hook it to a TV and have wireless controllers, which will be more, but uh, doesn't show a price there. Yep. And, and then, then they adapters. haven't really they haven't announced the price of the adapters, and I don't think they're going to be ready right out the gate. So um, I think I'm going to give this one probably. Uh, I mean. It's just not for me because it's way too expensive, but I, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a C plus. Okay. I'm going to give it a C plus. For me, it's, I kind of agree with most of that. Um, and I just have, I already have great ways to play all these systems on the go now. So it doesn't really meet a niche except that it's a cool thing I want to have just because it's shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that super premium market though is something that they alone kind of have. And for that, I think it's better than a C plus, but it's not necessarily for me unless I find some kind of crazy deal on it, which doesn't happen. It's not going to so, happen for this. I'll say a B minus. I'll say a B minus on this one. Okay. All right. We move on to the consoles, kind of. The Polymega. 
I don't know. Yeah. A, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a ton about the Polymega, other than I know that it's going to be. It's one of the console systems that's going to be able to play a lot of different. It's like a transformer. Like you're going to be able to do things with it to make it play all the different types of games, as well as use the original controllers for a lot of different types of consoles. Right? Mm-hmm. That's its hook. Yeah. So I mean, and, and there's a lot, and it's, I can't even read them all. But basically, it can do any of the CD-based systems. Yep, is what it says. Which is pretty amazing if they yeah. can pull it off. If, uh, and then of course you can do your NES, your Super Nintendo, your uh, Genesis, PC um, Engine. PC Engine, TurboGrafx-16 stuff, and then all the CD-based stuff. Sega CD, Mega CD. I mean, it, it 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 is it's proposing to do everything. Now here's my issue with it, and I have a lot. First of all, when they came out, they said it's going to be do be able to do everything, and it was going to be able to do it via hardware, no emulation. Mm-hmm. Well, they quickly had to change their tone on that. Um, they're from what I hear, I've directly been listening, but everyone kind of says the same thing: is they've been making all kinds of promises and then reneging on them. Uh, completely um, basically going back to scratch and then kind of pretending like washing over the fact that they didn't do what they originally said they're going to do. Now it's all emulation and a lot of these cores aren't even working that well yet so like some of them work right now. Um, To play all the cartridge stuff you have to get all kinds of adapters and pull out modules. Mm -hmm. At that point, I mean I already have a bunch of systems that can play this stuff Um, and if I didn't it'd still be cheaper to go buy those systems than to buy all these parts. It was like 350 bucks for the base unit and then all the adapters were like 80 bucks. I mean, by the time you're done, this is a $700 behemoth. Um, it, it also has its own controllers. Um, I don't think it can use other controllers. Um, I don't know. I think this is a train wreck. In a weird way, when I see this, I think about like the the thing that the, the uh, Sega Genesis became where you... You put the 32X. in 32x. You put in the 32x, and then you also put in the Game Genie, and then you put in on top of that the the Mega CD, and it becomes this colossal monster. Which yep. a part of me loves that, but a part of me looks at this and goes, "That's just way too expensive." Now I just noticed this. I hadn't heard of this yet, but apparently they also have a light gun that's going to be uh, potentially H- HD DVD, or I can't talk HD TV compatible. I heard they were working on the technology to do that. Here's my thing, though. Even though they're advertising, everything looks slick. They just everything they say has not gone the way they said it will. So right, that's my biggest drawback. And then end result is just way too much, and it doesn't do anything that I. I mean, if it was all that, and I didn't have to buy separate modules, and it was four hundred bucks, now you might be talking. Yeah, but it's all emulation still. I, I would say Pi. I mean, if it did all those consoles, they said, hey, four hundred bucks. Like I'd probably do it because it's pretty amazing. The the promise, the, the promise, promise is amazing. Exactly. Um, the, the, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to rate this. I'm going to give this probably a solid D. D. D's nuts. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. I dropped the D's nuts I on you. I have to stop the folk music for that one. We got to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're back, Eric. <laughs> All right. So what are you rating it? I give it a D. D? Oh, wow. I agree with that. Double D's. Eric. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this next one. Um, No, I'm going to save that one. Uh, You're going to save the next one? We're going to go Intellivision Amico. Okay. Intellivision Amico, Eric. 
We talk about this thing all the time. We do. It's a new console that already has videos of it working and running. All kinds of stores are already pre-ordering it. Um, it's a whole new way of looking at gaming, kind of akin to how they used to be and how the Wii kind of did it. Yep. In that it's family, couch co-op, friendly. Uh, everything is download only, which is kind of a bummer for me. I wish I had cartridges. Yeah, it's download only, and they're they're re they're kind of redoing a bunch of um, a bunch of the old games for Intellivision, but they're also new developers are making new games for it. So you kind of have the best of both worlds on that. But even the old games are updated. It's loud. It is loud, but I will fix that in post. Just <laughs> ignore that. Okay. <laughs> um. So. I think it's awesome. It's coming with, with its own new controller, which is hopefully the, th- there'll be more controllers available to buy. And the new controller, which sits on the Atari fifty two hundred, uh, Atari fifty two hundred, which <laughs> hey. sits on the um, the console itself to recharge. Yeah. Um, which I, I mentioned the Atari fifty two hundred because the controllers would fit inside of the the behemoth base on that. So it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. But if you don't have enough controllers and you have two buddies over to play four player games, they can use their phones. Yeah. I don't. I understand that it's a plus to me. I like. I, I'm not going to do that. That's I think that'll drive me nuts. You I think, come over and bring your controllers. That's think, how we'll do it. I think they're going to refine it. But I mean, if 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 there's an eight player game and you have a party, <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty cool. If anybody wonders why Eric's yelling, I yeah, that music was playing. I can't. I can't even concentrate. Let's try this again, Eric. Okay. Nope. Still too loud. Let's try it again. All right. I feel that's like, better. That's better. All yeah. Right. So, uh, no, but what I mean is, let, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a party, and you uh, yeah. invite eight people over, uh, and nobody has all the controllers. The where? Where are the controllers? They can at least pull their phone out, download an app, and be, and they, they can play to some degree. To some degree, yeah. Anyways, we've talked about this a lot. Yep. I think you and I both love it. In fact, we both have one ordered. We have it pre-ordered, yeah. Read it. I'll give it, I'm giving it an A. A solid A? A solid A. Because I, I'm not going to give it an A+, plus because I haven't heard... I mean, we haven't heard the whole picture yet. It, if it, I, I want to make sure it's delivered on time. I want to make sure there's a, you know, there's still a oh, lot yeah, of question yeah. marks. Um, but it looks solid, and it, I'm, I really firmly believe it's going to happen, and I think it's going to be good. I'm excited about it. I'm going to give it an A minus. Okay. Um, I'm excited about almost everything it is. My, my the, I love the wood grain one, which is the one we're ordering. Yeah. Um, my one concern is. And I'm sure they'll fix it, but it's why it, I have, I, I want it. It showed lag in that video that we watched. Yeah. And if they can't get rid of that, then I'm going to be very frustrated. Um, but I, I, again, that was a early That's, version of that. They're game, still so. doing development on that. Correct. So I mean, it, they they're going to refine it. They're going to optimize everything. I hope. And I hope that's what they're yeah. working on right now because it's getting close. It's it's scheduled to release in October. October. Yeah. And yeah. I am worried that. To get my other two controllers, yeah. I think there's so much money wrapped up in those controllers. Yeah, that to get two more controllers and another dock will be almost the same price as the console. I'm I concerned about that. I don't disagree with you. I mean, have you you've gone out? Have you gone out and bought a new PS4 or Xbox One controller? No, they're 50, 60 bucks. So I mean, yeah. that's a lot of money. Well, and even if they're that much, it wouldn't be too bad. I've, I'm worried they're going to be more because they're not going to have that kind of volume to get that price down. Right. They've got a lot of stuff in that controller. Yep. So. All right. Last but not least, Eric. I mean, nothing says retro gaming more than the pinnacle. Right. The uh, the Mount Fuji, literally. Yeah. Of retro gaming, if you will. 
Atari. The Atari VCS, which promised a lot, and they hired a decent engineer in the beginning. And there was a lot of rumors, a lot of like uh, speculation about what this console was going to do. And then they took a giant dump on our hearts. That's right. I, I don't need a record scratch because that would have been perfect. That's right. I'm giving this an F plus. F plus. F plus. I don't think it'll exist. I think they screwed over too many people already. I think they did the plus is because they did just a little bit more than they did on the Coleco Chameleon before they screwed it all up. A little bit more. A little bit more. Because I mean the 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 history of this. I mean they hired a guy who I think was wasn't he an Xbox engineer or something like that or. I don't remember, but no, he, that's the meek. That's the television. Is that the television? He's, yeah, that's another. So plus who was the guy they hired? Anyway, they hired a pretty reputable guy who did a lot of the work on the Atari VCS, and then yeah. he quit because he said he wasn't getting paid. Like, yeah, they, if they're not going to pay me, I'm not going to do free work. Exactly. And I'm so, sure he took his work with him. He's not. He's not. And then they handed over after not getting paid. Yep. And then they had that whole sketchy uh, in the hotel room come check out the prototype, and it was literally just like a computer or something that was hooked to. Uh, I don't know. And they it, haven't mentioned what it's going to play. Nope. Uh, the things they did say about it are things you can do on a Raspberry Pi. That's right. That's right. Except this is $350. Yep. I'm, I am going to give this a solid F. Um, That's a bad noise. When I looked through all of our grades, you know, even though I'm positivity, Eric, I was a lot more harsh. Well, not a lot more. But I think there was three good ones in there, two bad ones, and one meh. Yeah. All right. There we go. Eric? It's time for the news. Reporting the news! (laughs) Yes. This just in! Wait, they don't do that in the news. They don't. Not anymore. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! Although they do do this. They do. As they used to. They don't do it anymore. Now they, like, touch TV screens and things happen. Um, my first news article comes in from Dan the Man James, who wanted to make sure I was aware, and I was, thank you, Dan, but thank you for bringing it up. Uh, I love to talk about my new pinball machines that are coming out. Yeah. Stern is coming out with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the Pinball Machine. Um. Is that a new one? Brand new. Coming out right now. So it's not based on an old pinball machine. No, it's not a reissue. So, well, it's funny you say that. So they've been doing this a lot lately. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a company called Stern, obviously, at one point in the 80s, early 80s. Yes. And then that went under as far as, I think it got absorbed by another company. Um, Data East started making pinball machines. And you're familiar with Data East of retro fame. And then that was purchased by... Ooh, Sega. Really? And Sega started making pinball machines. Now, in the hierarchy of pinball machines, Data East uh, was like a... They had some games that were good, but most of them were meh, so they're kind of like an average, a C, right? Yeah. Sega took them over, kind of uh, honestly dropped it a little lower, D plus, okay. C minus. <laughs> uh, they just didn't do pinball. Yeah. Um, and then Stern bought the Sega pinball division. And they were, they were honestly struggling. They weren't doing great. But after all the other pinball companies went away, Stern kept making pinball machines. They were literally the only company making pinball machines in the world for like 10 years. 
and they kept it going. <clears throat> they went from selling like ten, fifteen thousand machines of each machine, making three or four a year, to making literally one a year and selling three thousand machines. Like had to go way back, but they kept it going. And now there's a huge resurgence, and there's like four, four or five companies making pinball machines, mass producing them, and a bunch of smaller operations. And they're back to making three, four machines a year. And so Stern went back and kind of has been doing um, about one a year, redoing old, uh, old Data East titles that could have been done better, uh, but kind of modernizing them. So, if, in fact, if I go back here, Star Wars was one that was a Data East pin, and it was not a great pinball machine. This new one's a lot better. Um, Jurassic Park, same thing. Actually, this was a good pinball machine, though. The Data East one was one of their good ones. Um, <clears throat> but they redid Jurassic Park. And then now they're doing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even though I can't find it right now. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was not, is actually considered one of the worst pinball machines uh, of that era. But this new one looks awesome. And what I love about what they did, even though I cannot, there we go. It keeps going away on me. Um, here we go. View game. They kept the old 80s cartoon art. It's not some like modern version. It's not like live action actors. It's This is the old 80s. Yeah. You know, they've, they've rebooted the Turtles like three times now, each with a different art style. And, of course, they make three different versions of the machine. They make the uh, Pro, the Premium, and the Limited Edition. And that's basically $1 sign, $2 signs, $3 signs. Um, and they all look different but great, uh, very vibrant, and very... I mean, they look like the comic book. They look... It looks awesome. There's a couple of cool uh, tricks. They always throw one, you know, one or two main tricks in each machine to kind of make it unique. There is a magnetic pizza spinner in the center here. Okay. Where these pizza, these balls will get caught and then it'll spin around. So you have two or three balls on the spinner spinning and they'll start shooting off in random directions. Um, Krang over here in the corner. You, you really can't see it from here. Let's see. There's all their turtles. Leo, Dono, Tello, Raphael. Yeah. Um, I noticed Krang's in the corner. He was really, really small. I don't know how well you know the Ninja Turtles, Eric. Pretty well. Okay. Uh, they got the turtle van which opens up and you shoot balls into the van. Um, of course, pop bumpers, all their normal stuff. Uh, but I'm surprised how small Krang is. That kind of disappointed me, how he's this tiny little thing in the corner. Um, there's your pizza spinner. Yeah. Um, but what I was noticing is this is more, uh, even though it is an old school game that adults are going to buy, most of these games are coming out with now are for people who are, you know, 40, 50 years old. Right. Who, love these things in their kids so it's funny because they're like here's our new title it's elvira they just came out with another elvira and like kids nowadays don't know who elvira is at all honestly nor should they i mean she's not really Uh, she was for kids back in the day (laughs) somehow uh Uh, no i don't know maybe yeah things are weird (laughs) um so anyways what i liked about this one is it appeals to kids and adults and i was watching some of the rules and it's there's a lot going on that's interesting, but it's not hard to learn. A lot of machines are really hard. Like, you have to hit this shot and then do this shot, lock a ball here, go over here, do this. This one's li- literally like, knock these targets down twice, and then this happens. Mm-hmm. Hit this ramp twice, and then this lights up, hit that twice, and then there's a multi-ball. Like, simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be a really good game at, like, a pizza parlor or on on location. I think it'll make a lot of money, and I think it's really cool for someone like me who... Um, I'm not going to put 20 bucks into it or buy it, but I, I'll go out there and put two or three bucks in it and enjoy the hell out of it. Sure. So. It looks awesome. It does look good. Check the link in our show notes for more details. Yes, indeed. 
So do you remember a bridge strike coming out on the Amiga? I saw this as well, Eric, but I'm glad you put it on here. Yes, I do. Yeah, so they, the same, I think it's Red Project was the name of the developer. Yep. They have released uh, a version that is on the Nintendo Switch, and it it's not just a port. It there's a lot. It's 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 a lot different. It's the same, but it, they they've added they've done a lot of enhancements, a lot of additional things. Like now, when you blow stuff up, you'll see coins, so you can go collect the coins. Okay. Um, when you fly, I saw that. Yeah. When you fly fast, the screen zooms out a little bit. When you slow down, the screen zooms in. Oh wow! Okay. So like it's constantly moving, and then it was it was kind of jarring at first, but then you get used to it, and it makes sense. When you fly faster, you want to see more of the screen. Oh yeah, that's my issue with a lot of the racing top-down racing games. Exactly. They don't zoom out. Yep. This one zooms out, so you'll love that feature. There are different modes. There's like a campaign and an arcade kind of mode. Um, you collect the coins. But the beautiful thing, the best thing. Beautiful. Buck 98. I'd buy that for a dollar ninety eight. Yeah. Now, you say that. I went on mm-hmm. yesterday because I literally was going to go buy it. Okay. And I'm still I'm still dumb for not doing it because it's still on sale, but it was three ninety eight. Okay. If you have, from what I understand, if you have an eligible, are you logged in? Because it will match, it, it looks at your past uh, purchase history, uh-huh. and there are there's this list of like fifteen or twenty games. If you've bought one of those games, it drops the price to a dollar ninety eight. Does it say what games they are? Yep, there's a list of them. Really, I've never yeah. even heard of that. Yeah, so that's what I found weird too. But um, I'm gonna do. That. I mean, I'm gonna. I would buy it for four bucks because I I played a little of this at your house. Um, yeah, and it's. I mean, I love River Raid, but especially with these added features. Um, I love the Amiga game, but my always my thing with a lot of these homebrews that and this was a you know more or less a homebrew, yeah. um, really good one, mm-hmm. is uh, the programmers typically not in this case. That's why I'm pointing this out. Will make a great game with great action, mm-hmm. but they didn't they don't fine tune it by capitalizing on the things that make me want to play it more and more, like having levels or goals or unlockables or mm-hmm. just little things. Like if it's just the same game, play for score over and over and over again. I'll be like, oh, that was fun. I'll play it every once in a while when I turn my machine on. But if you simply do that exact same game, but you're like, all right, now hit this many points. If you hit this many points, you get this extra weapon. Or uh, and that's what this does. Or shoot, yeah. shoot all the bridges in this area. Do that. Like if you give me things to do where I can play, even if it's the exact same game, but I'm doing it a different way. Yep. And I can collect things or try to check things. Like I love it. And I that's what it. this is because you can collect coins to get add-ons and bonuses. And some of the missions are like destroy five, twelve bridges. Um, it, it's actually uh, pretty handy. That's awesome. So, and it's really cool to see someone who put the, all that love and blood and sweat and tears into an Amiga game, and now they're like, "Well, I should make some money off." I mean, they made some off the Amiga, but let's be honest, that's a very small crowd compared to the Nintendo Switch, right? So that's awesome. So yeah, check that out though. What I was talking about. I mean, if and I think one of the games, a lot of I think you may have owned two or three of the games that are on the list. They're pretty popular games, mm. so it showed. I, maybe not because it showed three ninety nine for me, three ninety eight. But when you were logged in, and, yeah. you, and maybe you don't have one of those those competing games. Or I'll whatever. go buy them though. Okay, yeah, exactly. I'll go get a twofer. <laughs> um, check the link below in our show notes, and you'll be able to check out that Sonic three D is now in two D. Huh? Do you check that at all? This sounds familiar, but yeah, pull that up because I'd love I'd like to see that. That's pretty interesting. It's funny how big the two uh, D Sonic crowd is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
there i mean there's every year a new like uh fan-made sonic game comes out mm-hmm. and they're usually really good uh this looks cool they basically someone said um and i you know me i don't care for ports because i already have another way to play these games but a demake is basically like a reimagining it's like a whole new game yeah that's more or less what this is um they took the game sonic 3d and i don't i mean i don't know how they programmed it but essentially it looks almost like they put it in a um genesis sonic 2d engine so right here here's sonic 3d which you can play on genesis or on the saturn and it says but now sonic world it's time to go back boop, 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 with a different perspective and so here's the characters and the gameplay some of the moves from sonic 3d him riding a snowboard but it's 2d Interesting. I mean, it's a whole new game, but it's the, I guess, the plot and the areas and the uh, imagery from Sonic 3D. Um, and then I think they also threw Knuckles, yeah, in there as well. I never and played I mean, Sonic 3D. I've I know never you, don't, you don't like Sonic. So. Not, that, not, not that much, yeah. Um, at least not the 2D ones that everyone loves. Right. <laughs> you probably like Sonic 3D then, because it's so different. Um, anyways, it's cool. Someone made it. I mean, I don't know oh. what else to say about it. Right on. Right on. And what what is it on? Uh what, what do you play this I, on? I believe it's a, is it PC? PC. Um That's a very good question. How come I didn't even think about that? Steam. The Steam. So it's just a Okay. That's I believe. that's neat. It can't it can't be through Steam. It's gotta be free because it's Sonic. Yeah, I mean Sega's not endorsing that, so That's a very good question. I don't know. I'm guessing it's a PC game. I mean, huh? But well, that's what that's what's nice about having like every system is I didn't I don't worry about that. And like whatever it is, I'll be able to play it. Exactly. Unless it's here. Xbox only, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one I don't have. What's next on your list? Oh, that was me again. It's you again. Um, have you heard of this? So obviously the uh, the news. Uh, you know, COVID was a big thing. It kind of got worldwide kind of got uh, overshadowed and for good reason and it was a nice little reprieve from uh, covid um but the whole black lives ladder matter movement mm-hmm. um so a lot of people are doing uh different charity drives and things yep um so one that is going on at itch.io right now is a whole bunch of indie uh, developers have donated their games to this bundle you can buy okay in fact if i just type itch H dot I, I, I itch gosh darn it itch.io itch dot dot there it is okay. um does it show it here i'm sure it's first thing on it there you go is that it no that's not it here you go featured bundle bundle for racial justice and equality so this bundle is you have to pay at least five dollars but you can donate more but for five dollars or more you get 744 games now the games that are in here yeah are all over the board, but Night in the Woods, that right there is a game that's $15 all day long on Switch. Okay. Um, Overland, I've heard of Overland. Overland. Uh, this one just won like all kinds of awards, Mortician's Tale. Um, I bought this in a hurry because there's some... Minute, this one, this game from Devol- uh, Devolver Digital. Yeah. I mean, there's so many games on here that's like, you're kidding me. Um, anyways, these guys threw in a lot of free games for you. I mean, I, I couldn't even go through There's 744. I have if, Every time I scroll through here, I see new ones. And uh, a lot of them are like Super Win the Game. I love that game. It's a little... Have you seen Super Win the Game? No. So I played Win the Game. I haven't played Super yet. 
but basically it's a game that like this part looks like uh uh what do you call it star tropics okay and then you get into a different one that looks like metroid and then this part looks like another game and you basically go through all these nes style games and it's a platformer really cool really solid title bleed bleed two are in here um if i keep going you'll recognize stuff i mean and a lot of this stuff is indie pixel based retro inspired games like exactly what we love so uh I mean, for five bucks or more, this is crazy. Super hexagon. It's cra- it's literally less than a cent a game. Yeah. That's, no, it's amazing. And Sw- I, it's, it's for charity, so give more. But I wanted to get Switch and Shoot. Yeah. Switch and Shoot. Have you heard of that one? I have. It's a shmup where you just use the button. Just go back and forth. It's a one right? button. You just go back and forth. Well, there you go. For less than a penny, you can go get it. So wh- what is this involved though? You you buy this and then you just there's a big giant download. No, so you have an you had, I would assume you have an HIO account. Yeah, I do. So basically, it just gives you access. You have those in your account. You can download them, which ones oh, you want, wow. when you want. Okay. Super Hexagon. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can keep going. Hunter's Moon. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because some of these games, I mean, it's all over the place. Some of a lot of them are PC, but some of them are, um, uh, peak. There's Pico Eight games in here. Um, there's a, I don't know, there's a bunch of stuff. It's. It's a C- I, I, I'm like game. beyond excited. It's behind like Splinter Zone. Look at that. Cthulhu, Cthulhu Deep, Deep Green. Green. Hmm. No idea what that is, but hey, I have it. I own it. Uh, anyways, so cool. Right on. I'm going to get it. And for a good cause. Yep. Raising awareness. Uh, you got the next one. I do. So, I, you know, I've, I have a mister and I love using it. It's a very interesting s- system. <clears throat> and there's a lot of active development going on in Mister right now, and they just released P- uh, PC Engine CD support, so you can literally just grab a CD image, pop it on the Mister, and you can play it in the PC. Awesome. So I mean, they they they, it's like they've almost mastered all the cartridge based systems. So now they're moving to CD based systems, That's which cool. is very exciting. That's very yeah. And the PC CD is one I don't have. I don't I don't have the ability to play those games other than just really bad emulation. So it's going to be nice to throw it on the Mister and have very good emulation. Or, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, that PC Engine is CD is the one thing I use my Raspberry Pi for. Mm-hmm. At this point, I don't use it for any pretty much anything else except for in the main machine for arcades. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I mean that alone would be worth it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence about the Mister. I have so much actual hardware I would rather buy first. Yeah, but it is awesome what they're doing. There with was that an project. Ar- yeah, there was an article somewhere that was talking about the Genesis um, core, the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive core, and they put it head to head against real Sega Genesis, and it is so precise now yeah. that experts can't tell the difference. Wow, I mean the sound, and the and and the the play the play um, lag time and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, all the big that one stuff. For me. And and that is the beautiful thing about the Mister is the lag is next to nothing. So I I I'm more and more impressed with the Mister as I go. And I you know I had the Mist, and then I got the Mister. The Mister just expands on it, and there's so many more developers developing all of these cores, and. All the computers that are on there. I mean, the BBC Micro and the Amstrad CPC and so, those. Sounds and to me like a good fit to go inside of a Polymega. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the work's been done. But then there's they would have to pay for it and everyone's doing it for free. So why they can't charge for it, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, we've already talked about this, but the next one on the list is that Amazon has Evercade for sale. <laughs> With the bundles, right? So here's the bundle right here, $9.99. Or, sorry, $99.99. Okay. And at this point, it was pushed back a little bit. So June 18th is the day. But uh, pre-order price guarantee, $99.99. And then you can see here all the other cartridges, 20 bucks a pop. Um, there's a couple on here that go through another uh, vendor, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more. But the ones that are going straight through the vendor that runs through Amazon, they're all $19.99. So and there, the, the, and there you can buy it just by itself with Atari Cartridge Collection 1 for $79.99 if you... Okay. So that that bundle, the first bundle up there was you get those three and that's it. And those are old stuff. Atari, Interplay, and uh, Data East. Yep. I have the whole list of games here. But you can see like the Atari cartridge here has everything from... You know, twenty six hundred games. It's got seventy eight hundred games. It has, mm-hmm. I think, it had um, it has Ninja Golf on it, which is cool. <laughs> um, it's funny they used Tempest from the twenty six hundred. That's not the best Tempest, but cool. Uh, and then, yeah, the Data East has about ten games on it. Interplay has only about five games on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll probably buy this pack because at ten dollars each, I would like to get those and put them on the shelf. But uh, these three cartridges, I'm probably not going to play a ton of. Just to be straightforward, um, I really want the uh, the new indie games, and there's a uh, interplay cartridge that has um, Earthworm Jim and stuff on that. I might play that one. But, cool. But I'll get this. Awesome. I'm definitely going to get it. I just I don't think I'm going to get it right out of the gate, but um, it'll be down the road. I agree. So, Tiny Galaga is the next news item. Have you seen this, or did you see my tweets on it? I actually have not seen this. I, I, I wanna, somehow I missed it. You should bring it up. So, it's for the Amiga, and it's the OCS ECS called the D-Make. It's a D-Make. I do like uh, D-Makes. It's a D-Make of Galaga. It is a monochrome um, version of Galaga, but it is also like a... Um, the perspective, the screen is more arcade style, so it's almost like a Entate mode. Okay. Um, and the one thing that that took me by surprise when I first played this was the sound is excellent on this. I really? mean, it is so good. It 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 just it really took me by surprise. I went ahead and pulled it up here, so I want to play some in the background. Yeah. But the gameplay is a lot like Galaga, but they do throw some different things in, like uh, bonus features. Um, it 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 really it, it's it, it's a very smooth gameplay. Like you were saying, uh, the there it is. Yeah, they put a little shadow behind the thing, so it looks like uh, it's coming off a of glass. Yeah, like um, it's got a white background with black. It's almost like a um, tiger handheld kind of where you where you have the L, the liquid crystal LCD. Yes, um, and you kind of can see the the shadow between the glass and the white background. It looks really cool. Yeah, um, I played this for a couple of hours and just really enjoyed myself. Uh, it comes in two different versions. It comes in a WHD load, so you can drop it on a hard drive and play it, or it's just one ADF image. Yeah, floppy. I would assume that you could fit it on one disc. Yep, um, and it plays on anything. So Amiga 500 all the way up to Amiga 4000 if you want to. Yeah, so. I'll, be, I'll be picking this up quick. Uh, and it looks it's different. It's not straight Galaga, even though it, it's simple like Galaga, but there's like bonus coins. Yep. Um, so you can spell bonus. I think that even gets you bonus point. I don't know. Does it still suck you up in the tractor beam? It does. Okay. For a while, I was playing it, and it wasn't doing that. I was like, oh, man, I love that feature. But it happened after a while. I think it happens after a couple of levels. Okay. So it's yeah, great. Cool. So 
And I think we, uh, now that you mentioned it, I think Tim mentioned this. We might be talking about this later uh, in this episode, maybe even next month, actually. So, great. We'll see. Um, another fun, quick one here I wanted to uh, show you. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Stone Age Gamer recently and saw that they have COVID masks uh, available. So if you go to StoneAgeGamer.com, uh, you will see that they have masks, and they don't tell you technically what the manufacturer or what the game is, but uh, it says, stay over there, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, Mortal Kombat, obviously, and you can, you can see here, uh, you can either be Sub-Zero with the, with the blue mask or Scorpion with the yellow mask. Yeah. I think they're 25 bucks each, and they're just kind of a cool-looking... Uh, I think a lot of people will recognize them when you're on the street. So. That's pretty neat. I, I I really like Sub Zero, so that would be a fun one to get and walk around the street looking like that. <laughs> if you want to look slightly more intimidating than the rest of the people on the street nowadays with their COVID masks, right. then head on over to StoneAgeGamer.com. Excellent. Uh, this one is you, even though I have seen these. Yeah, so this is the 60th Sega anniversary announcement was the Sega game gear micro what was your feeling on this eric well as you know i, I had a hard time being positivity eric on this one um <laughs> because so what the i was so excited when i saw game gear micro me too me too because uh, you know me i'm a sucker for the minis I, I i love getting them uh even if they just sit on a shelf they're it's pretty cool to have the minis yeah i mean who would have ever thought there'd be a small little commodore 64 in the future you know what i mean um <laughs> But this one is disappointing for a couple reasons, but the main one is that they're, they come in four colors, so there's four different ones to collect. And, That's and when, cool. I, when I first saw that, I was like, that is awesome. And, they're, and you're like, which, which one do I want? Which color? And expect, like that blue one is the actual Game Gear blue. I think there was a Game Gear with that color, right? So were, were all these the original colors, I think? Actually, I think this is like a Sonic baby blue. I think yeah. The actual one was a blue blue. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but anyway, but yeah. I, I was like, okay, so I can pick the one I want, right? You can, but... <laughs> Each one has four different games on it, and they're different games. So to so get each, so each one of these must cost fourteen ninety nine, right? You would think, but they're fifty <laughs> bucks a pop. A pop. So you'd have to get spend two hundred dollars to get all the games for the Game Gear, and that would only be sixteen games. And there would only be sixteen games. And some of these games, and this is, a, I believe, a Japanese only release at this point. Yes. So a lot of the games are in Japanese only. Yep. We would not be able to play them or read them. Um. And then I uh, heard people going back and forth, They're like, no, 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 it's got to be $50, and you get, a, like, a pack of all four of them. No. And there's this, and the other thing is, I'm like, that's a cool idea. And then I saw, here's the commercial. Look how small it actually is. <laughs> I'll go ahead and turn that down a little bit. Um, where's, the, where's the thing where it shows? Look how small, that's, I mean. It's tiny. They're going to sell an accessory that's the magnifying glass. That was ridiculous. And it was a real accessory. It's a real... I mean, it was a real accessory for the real one, but they're going to sell one for the mini that... Uh, you know what? It, you know what? Look how small this thing is. Look how small that is. Yep. All right. First of all, that's stupid. Second of all... For 50 bucks. If it was $50 and you got all four of them there that small, then it'd be a fun little gag thing. That's right. If it was fourteen ninety nine and you get one, it's a fun little gag thing. There's no world... Even if this was that small and it had 200 games on it, I could not play a game on that. No. Nonetheless, even if it had all those games for 50 bucks, I could not play a game on that. Right. So um, it's a pass for me. I'm not doing... Now, I, I had this Twitter conversation going on about this because I was talking to some people who kind of know electronics. And I was like, well, maybe this will be hackable. And you can throw all your games on it. It'll be a, it'll be a chip on a... 
or a system yeah. on a chip. But they were like that small. It's going to be like a blob. It's yep. going to be over the chip. It's going to be a dedicated chip, and there's going to be a blob over it, so you can't hack it. Probably this is all speculation. Yeah. Well, but that's they how were, you make cheap electronics. Yep. So yeah. they were like, this probably isn't going to be hackable, um, at least to an easy degree. I can't so, imagine at this price and how small and unuseful. I can't imagine this being a success now. Yeah. In a perfect world, mm-hmm. if they made a Game Gear 80% the size of a full-size Game Gear, like yep. almost that size, but thin, maybe you could probably get it down to a half an inch oh, or, yeah. or less, Yeah, three-eighths of an inch, Yeah, and it had 50, 20, 20 to 50 good games on it, mm-hmm. and made it eighty nine ninety nine. oh my gosh, I'd buy that in a heartbeat, with me a too. nice screen, good battery life. Me too. Oh my gosh, I'd be all over that. Yep, me too. So it was a, I think it's an opportunity lost, because there still is some desire out there for Game Gear stuff. I'm so surprised because their last one, the Genesis, they used M2. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing, one of the best uh, mini consoles they've made yet. Yeah, I mean, I would have, like, you see that picture on the screen right now of the big hands and a tiny, tiny little Sega Micro. I literally thought when I saw that, I was like, that's a gag. It's like, full, yeah. it's like, it's April Fool's Day. There's no way that's real. Yeah. But it is. And, and it, don't be offended by it, but and it's a Japanese, it looks like a woman's hands. Yeah. Ours are going to be larger than that, yeah. typically. Yeah. So that's even bigger than it's probably going to be in our hands. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just a, it's going to be a hard pass for me on that, which is unfortunate, but yep. it is what it is. Can you look at this? There's Puyo Puyo. Can you imagine playing Puyo Puyo on a screen that small? No. Oh my, like I get OutRun. Sonic even with the coins, probably be hard, but Puyo Puyo, I mean, those, are, those are tiny little graphics. Yeah. They do look cool, though. The yellow one. I yeah. like the yellow one. I like the blue one. Yep. Bummer. Opportunity lost. <laughs> Next on the list, Eric, uh, me. Uh, so along with this, which is one of their big announcements they were blowing up, uh, they also mentioned this, and it kind of blew under the radar, but they also announced their Fog Gaming concept. Okay. I and don't know what that is. I have no idea. I haven't dug too far into it, but basically it's their concept of kind of cloud gaming. Okay. But the cloud would be, you know, Sega's big in in, console, in arcades. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me pull this up. I feel like I'm saying it wrong because it just seems so out there. Um, fog. Oh, let's, let's see if that works. I don't know. Fog gaming revealed. So basically, uh, <laughs> it's not for playing cloud games in the arcades, but using the arcade machines basically, which are PCs now, right. as the local data centers for cloud gaming service. So basically, it's cloud gaming, but their servers would be their arcade machines they already have out there. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I mean, it, that's creative. It's creative. The only problem is that with cloud, you need a lot of bandwidth. So are, are those arcade machines even hooked up to the internet? So Sega has 300 plus arcade centers, and those are located all around Japan. Physical distance from a player's habitat and a data center can be greatly reduced since every Sega arcade will become the cloud data center. Uh, talks about, I don't know, all kinds of networking stuff. But anyways, I just it's unique. It's a yeah. unique idea. I'm, I'm eager to hear more about it because that, be, that would be pretty interesting. As the daylight goes away, it's getting more and more romantic in this room, Eric. Yeah, I'll, reach over, I'll reach over there and <laughs> uh, unromanticize this room. Ah. We've been using this one too much. I'll have to go to a different sound effect. 
All right, you've got a uh, C64 game that you've that tickled your fancy. Yeah, and the reason I brought this up was I know that one of our, I think both of our favorite games in the last few years was Trance Sector by... Uh, oh, I love that game. Like, it was Richard Bayless, right? I think that's his name. Yeah, and I know what you always say about Richard Bayless. I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> See, I like that cut. I like the cut of your jib. You like that? Yeah, I like that And if that Tim one. saw it, he would say... He was like... <laughs> <laughs> I got sound effects. I have my fun. So. Yogurt. <laughs> Yogurt. <laughs> so, no, you, you made me lose my train of thought here. <laughs> There's a new game called The Forever Extending Hungry Snake. Yes. And uh, it the the music, when you hear this, this uh, when you hear this uh, game being played, the music you'll re- instantly recognize. It's like a Richard Bayless game because it's like... And uh, yep. and uh, you guys might think this is the actual game, but no, that's Eric and I. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it it looks like it's going to be a good game. I mean, it's another Commodore sixty four game, but I do like those snake games. Um, so I played a Pico eight uh, game, very similar, I believe, and the snake just got absolutely huge. Right, and it was actually a blast. Um, let me go ahead and get some up here, Richard Bayless. Oh. His in his his intro screen. I have to play. Here we go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna take a cut of us doing this, and this yeah. will be like the next intro, Pixel Gun intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the actual gameplay here. I I. And it's got that crazy psychedelic background that yeah, moves. Kind of like a, a um. A Mintner type of thing. Ooh, whoever did this video wasn't very good at the game. No. They get better. Because this is the video I was watching, too. Is it? (laughs) It didn't get that much better. There he goes. That snake isn't... So that snake doesn't ever stop. No, it doesn't. Interesting. That is funny. So typically in a snake, the snake is a certain length. And as he eats, he grows. And this one, the, the snake just keeps moving forward with the tail staying still. So you got to hit the bomb to clear your tail. Oh, yeah, I could get into this. This is this is different than I thought. This is. So you got to find your way to the bomb to clear your tail, or else you're just gonna. But you you, you do get score as you go along, though, and you you can grab those little bonuses and all that stuff. But but don't eat the poisonous skulls. Don't eat the skulls. Yeah, that's See, cool. Now those bombs are going to be tough to get. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, pretty cool. I like it. And I think it's out. I think it's out. It looks like it is. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim sent this next one in. And I this one's news to me. Apparently, you had talked about it, but I completely missed. So, I'm going to let you talk about this one. Yeah, and I might get this totally wrong. So, hopefully, if Tim hears our episode, he can add to the errata for next month. But <laughs> um, So, the future was 8-bit is now taking pre-orders for the Mini Pet. Mini Pet. What is that, Eric? So, the Mini Pet is a new PCB and chip kit to make your own pet. And it also has an optional optional keyboard Like a Commodore, Commodore Pet. A Commodore Pet, exactly. Which I have one, but not a lot of people do because they are old. I mean, they came out in the late 70s. They, they have a CRT built into the chassis. So, a lot of these are just don't work anymore. And that is the gist behind this. The Mini Pet basically is a key, is a motherboard replacement. You can take the Mini Pet, put it in a pet, 
and replace the innards on the the pet with a modern motherboard. But they also sell that keyboard add-on, which actually replaces the keyboard on the pet so that you could take the failing keyboards on the pet and replace it with that. But another cool thing you could do is take that whole thing, and if you could build a case, you literally could make a mini pet, like a from scratch. From scratch, just make maybe have a little tiny LCD on there or something, because there's a composite output on that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you could okay. craft um, an interesting mini pet. So you can buy it kit A standalone. <clears throat> you can buy it standalone with the power supply for fifteen more pounds. Yep. Or you can buy uh, B, which includes the replacement pet mainboard. Right. Um, and you see it has all the connectors in the back, so you can hook your cassette players up to it, because that's basically mm-hmm. the how you got in and out. It has an IEEE connector, IEEE connector. Yep, on the back, so you could hook a, um, a, a hard drive or a floppy drive to the back. Um it really basically just and that was the that one picture you saw is the comparison between it and the actual pet yep. motherboard much smaller <clears throat> um so it's very versatile put it in a real pet or let's start frankensteining making a mini pet which would be awesome cuz pets take a lot of space and they're made out of metal <laughs> they're made out of like very heavy metal my yeah. pet weighs a metric ton a metric ton uh, one Not metric to be confused ton. with the american weights exactly um it's a real Bobby Dazzler. It's a Bobby Dazzler, and also I like the cut of your jib. It's two hundred and five pounds, <laughs> right? Uh, that's current U.S. Uh, uh, U.K. currencies, and um, you, for sixty more dollars, you can add the <clears throat> really cool SD two pet, which is the feature was eight bits pet SD card yes, solution, which I got, and it works great. Very cool, guys. You're making yeah. some cool stuff over there. Yep. I wanted to go ahead and mention, uh, Doug keeps showing up on this episode, Eric. He does. Um, Doug from the 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast, which is a great YouTube series if you're an Amiga fan. He doesn't touch on too much gaming, but from time to time. From time to time he does. Uh, but he gets he deep dives into a whole bunch of Amiga stuff. I've learned a bunch of stuff on there. I've been confused by a bunch of other stuff that I didn't know enough to listen to it in the first place. Uh, but he uh, finally went over something I've heard of and I understood the concept of but i really never knew what it was for the longest time and that is the famous video toaster Mm -hmm. and i watched the first video of i think it's supposed to be a three-part series and it was like 50 minutes so 10 minutes plus 40 minutes amiga retrocast um of him basically going over basic usage how it works what it does what its you know capabilities are and kind of the impact it had on the industry the video making industry because this was really a tv switching board that people used for mm-hmm. tv production back in the 80s and early 90s yeah and it was a big deal and i don't know anything about that world it's just not a world i was ever into but i did hear about the video toaster because it was so popular i mean like when i was a kid and you had the basics of cable tv mm-hmm. you'd see the tv guide that was on the screen yep. like you know the words and ju- that was made with an amiga video toaster most of the time um, because that was such an inexpensive platform to be able to overlay graphics onto the screen. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those TV guide type things were made with the Amiga Video Toaster. All the weird effects you see and scrolling names on the end of TV shows back in the in the eighties. That a lot of those were done by the Video Toaster, which I think is pretty amazing. So learn more about it by hopping on YouTube and checking out Ten Mark Ten yeah, Minute Amiga Retrocast. That is my favorite Amiga. 
YouTube because I don't watch a lot of YouTube. I really I, don't. I really don't either. I have to go out of my way to remember to watch some of these things. Yep. Um, I'm more of a podcast guy, but Tim's is the one, or Tim. Um, Doug is the ones that I actually go seek out, and I've, I don't think I've missed an episode in probably two or three months. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Have you heard of this one? Days of Thunder. So this is really no. cool. Haven't heard um, of this. A lot of people gave it some flack because there was a big release information. People are building it up. But the, uh, oh, what are they called? The Game History Foundation. Um, what's his name? The guy that re- that goes around is pr- uh, saving all these games from basically being lost to the world. Frank Cifaldi? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and some other people. I know Kelsey, who's you know on the Metal Jesus podcast. She has a, her own show, YouTube channel, whatever. Um, and she has her own store up in Seattle. Mm. Uh, anyways, uh, she's part of it, but this is really cool. Basically they were going through and I'm going to bodge this, but they found, uh, you know, you hear about this and you find somebody's old computer who was a developer and you find yeah. some game on there and you pull it off and you release it to the world and it's really cool. Right. Right. This was so much beyond that because I believe the game was made on an Amiga. If I remember correctly from, I watched uh, John Riggs's video. Yeah. Uh, is John Ruth just a happy-looking dude. Yeah. Like, you just want to hang out with the guy. He's positive. He's I positivity mean, Eric, but in John Riggs' form. He's positivity John. And I, and I follow him on Twitter, and we have conversations all the time, and he's yeah. always very responsive. He's always very upbeat, yeah. positive. I like him. Yeah. Um, he could be faking it all. I don't care. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, a good dude. he's a good dude on video. Yeah. Um, anyways, he did a great job of putting... Uh, I think he was able to release the information... Um, and he explained it as they basically found a developer who had all these disks all over the place. Okay. And they basically went through the disks and found little pieces of code and realized it was an NES game that was never made. Found out from the, I think they found out from the guy who did he was he had passed away, but that um, see again I could be botching this whole thing, but uh, basically found out there's a, a Days of Thunder prototype on there that was never released. And so they literally went and went through disks and disks and disks, found like 26 disks that each, has, each had a little portion of code on it, and actually had somebody patch those pieces of code together to make the full game again. Cool. They didn't do any extra programming. They just <clears throat> basically, he described it, John described it as a whole bunch of haystacks with a needle in each, and they found those needles and put them all together somehow. Yeah. Um, what's cool about it is this game, because Days of Thunder was released in the U.S., and the, and the world. But this was made by a different company, and it was basically a whole other Data of Thunder game that never was released. Um, and you can see some of the things we, we like to do a battle of the systems where we compare um, two games with the same name sometimes. Yeah. And you can see how they have very similar instructions from maybe like the title holder, but the games came out different. This feels almost like that because some of the ways uh, the racing works and what the gameplay mechanics are are kind of similar. But it's really cool because it's a it's a whole different game. You actually have like fourteen different tracks here. You race a full schedule. You get to pick your car at the beginning, um, which is cool because it's very NASCAR. I'm a NASCAR fan. If nobody knows, so it's probably more interesting to me than anybody else. But uh, you could have a, a fast tight car or a fast loose car or a slow tight car, and depending on your track, you want to pick the car that suits your style. Right. You start out by doing a um, a, a qualifying lap which is a first-person perspective, and you're basically gauging how much throttle you can go around a corner without it pushing you up into the wall, just the momentum. So if you do your, a good qualifying time, you get to start in the front of the field, but when the actual racing starts, after you qualify, you can see um, 
uh, John here was not a great qualifier. Um, you can see that it turns into this side-on racing where you actually go from right to left, which makes sense because you're in the center of the track looking out. Right. And now uh, you're racing against all these cars <laughs> on the side view, and you're banging and bumping and trying to get past them. And, um, you know, you get winnings, and you move on to the next race and use those winnings to... You actually do um, pit stops where you actually un use your D-pad to un do the the lug nut and put it back on <laughs> which is funny because in this picture you see one lug nut in the middle of the car well there's five on a nascar but right. whatever you do one you actually put gas in with your a and b button you have to shake the gas can back and forth so you're trying to do all these things at once it's almost like a track and field mechanism to the pit stops right i just think it looks cool and uh, it's not publicly released yet but it will be um and then that's a great looking picture of the uh of the um that is the uh what do you call it podium um but you'll notice that at the end here, there's a uh, company, and they're using, I think, the sales of this. They're making these physical cartridges. Um, they're using the sales of this to be donated towards the programmer's family, I believe. So watch the watch John Riggs' video. He can explain it better and be more accurate about it. But Cool. Um, yeah, they're re- releasing a physical cart. You can see it there in the picture. Nice. I love NES games. Yeah. All right, Outer Worlds. You ready? I'm ready. So, did, do you like Fallout games? Have you played Fallout? I, I played Fallout 3 only. Did you like it? I, I really did like it. Uh, I didn't play past that because by the time I did finish it, it was like 100 hours in. Yeah. And I was just done with it for then. Sure. But um, I did enjoy it, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, the Outer Worlds is kind of Fallout-esque. Okay. And it's been out a long time for PlayStation and Xbox. So much so that you can get it for, you know, around 30 or 40 bucks these days. It's discounted. Yeah. Um, And it's still a great game. People still talk about it. I've never played it. It Wow, it did get good reviews. It's all like nines, fives. I mean, it's... 95, yeah. Nine, nine and a half out of ten. But you can see right there, look at the price for the Epic Store. 38.99, right? So... You're looking at all these prices, you're like, cool. So they're like, they announced it's coming out on the Switch. and Switch tax. Yep, the Switch tax. But that usually doesn't... Bo- I mean, the Switch tax does bother me, but they came out and announced, okay, the frame rate, some of the textures don't look as good because it's the Switch. It's the Switch, yep. And the frame rate might drop here and there. No big deal. I don't care about that stuff. I mean, I really don't because I just want to get into as the gameplay. As long as it's playable. Playable. I did, all those factors don't matter. But when I heard it's full price and you have to swallow all of those, all the deficits, and they'll get their money. Uh, not It'll for work. me. Not for me. Because I looked at. Because I I've been waiting for this to come out on Switch. I've really? been waiting. But I thought you know when it comes out, it's probably gonna be forty bucks. Because it's, it's funny be. to me. This game is this this style of game. I would get on my PlayStation. Right. Like this. Would, this is not a Switch game to me. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get on my Xbox One. So, so I decided I'm going to get this, but I'm probably going to wait a month. I'm going to go look at the used market like I usually do. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can just pick it up for 20 bucks, 30 bucks, And uh, I do want to play it. Now, I could get it on Steam and play it on my PC, and that would be kind of a nice use. But they, I, have, I, have, I got to tell you, I haven't touched my Xbox One. My son, no. my son booted it's up the other day. It's all lonely and dusty. My son booted up the other day because he wanted to play one of those um, <laughs> like, ro- ro- like Tom Clancy Rogue okay. games. And uh, it's all, got to update, and it's like taking three hours three to update. Yep. Yep. So he just walked away and just forgot about it, because it was updating, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, that's a that's a thing. So Outer Worlds on Switch, uh, it's not not a good not, not good news. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. I'm not paying that. I'm not doing it. Do you know much about this? Because Tim sent in this next piece of information. I'll just read it straight for now. Yeah. The Beam Razor uh, is either coming out or it's out. Um, looks like it's coming out. It's a new plug-in board for your Commodore 64 computer. Okay. Uh, that fits into the VIC-2 socket, so that's the uh, video chip. The video chip, yeah. Enhancement for Commodore 64 to do some neat features and functions. Uh, it's in development, but looks amazing. Also includes LumaFix to de-jailbar your C64 screen. Yeah, well, that's a big deal, the LumaFix. I never had a 64 that had that problem, but some of them have the bars that go up and down. Like, they're like... Um, it's like interference or something. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know you, you know what I'm about. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so some of them have, some don't. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's age and the type of chip or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll also work on NTSC and PAL C64s. It is not a replacement for the VIC 2 chip. It's an enhancement. So it looks like a little board here that you put your VIC 2 chip in, and I guess you push this whole thing down into the VIC 2 socket. So it goes kind of yeah. sandwiched between yep. your original hardware. Um, I'd have to. I want to read about it. Like, what is that? There's like a USB port on there, or is that? That's what it looks like. USB C. It, it <clears> looks like to me. Is that just to update it or something? Because and then there's pin headers here, uh, and then a couple things. I mean, there's little little things that pop off everywhere. So my question on this would be: <clears throat> Is it all the questions? Is it backward compatible? Because I'd want it to be. I don't want to put that in there, and then suddenly I can't play some games. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, it needs to be completely 100 percent backwards compatible, and then I'd have to look at what all the extra little crap things are. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't mean crap. I mean I want to look. It, I'm all for tricking my 64 out. I mean, hmm. I think it would be cool, but I want to see what this thing does, and it needs to be 100 percent backward compatible. To me, it looks like it does a bunch of stuff that people who know the Commodore 64 really well would appreciate. Yeah. But I don't think me, as somebody who turns on my C64, picks the game and plays it, would see any difference. Right. Um, it's talking about things that bitmatch, bitmap sequencers you can use, and vBasic is built in, whatever that is, a different type of basic for assembly. Uh, you can disassemble, disassemble things at will. I mean, this is all debugging and programming. Here's your LumaFix. No bars, no blur, no problem. Uh... So here's an unmodified picture of what you were talking about. And then that's a regular LumaFix, which I I guess is a little improvement. LumaFix Pro. I don't know. I don't really see it, I'll be honest with you. Um, there, I can see vertical bars. Yeah, I yeah. guess. It, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Tim is, seems very stoked about it. Um, for me and my purpose of what I do, I don't I don't see a use for it. But cool. I mean, new new hardware. I want to look into it. I'm not going to pretend I fully understand it. <clears throat> yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Uh, did it say anything about pricing? Beam Racer is what it's called. Beam Racer, yeah. Look it up. Check the show notes. By uh, Mad Hackers Lab. Coming soon. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, All right, tell me just about a this. a couple more things. Tell me this next game because I've been reading about this and it looks really cool. That's all I know about it too, Eric. I've read some things that weren't that kind about it. Like okay. they, people were giving it kind of a B minus C plus rating because it. It's fine. Okay. But I've read other people just raving about it, like they love it. So it's. So kinda, I think it depends how your um. This video may be inappropriate for some <laughs> users. We're clicking on. It. I'm so, or, I already like it. What we're talking about here is a game that it's not retro. It's a new game, um, called Man Eater, and 
it I don't mean I don't even know how long you'd play this game. I don't know what all there is to it. All I know is it's got some crazy, ridiculous, over the top arcadey action, and I want to try it so bad. Um, is there is Hollow Notes in here? <laughs> it's a man eater. She's a man eater. <laughs> Um, Hall Notes is in here with us today. <laughs> um, that's my bad sound. So you're a, well, I guess you can be a d- bunch of, I don't even know. I'm not gonna pretend to know. You're sharks. Yeah, you're a shark. <laughs> you are sharks. Uh, you can be different sharks. Some sharks have like mutations. Some are like have barnacles on them. It looks like you could be a hammerhead or a tiger shark or a great white or I don't know. But long story short, there's a shark that you're playing and you get to dive under the water and shoot up and just eat the crap out of people, boats, blow things up, chomp things, uh, blood is in the water everywhere. And basically, um, it's like an RPG. So you can, oh, like, there's, okay. there's a skill tree. You can, like... Oh, I get, love that. You can get better and better. You can add on. You can uh, do all sorts of stuff. She's yeah. wasting orange juice. Yeah, we have to watch our commercials. Um, where is my... Here we go. Here's our video. So let me scoop forward a little. This is actual gameplay, so it's a little slower. Looks like the you know there's a tacked on story there, but um, oh you're just beating the crap out of sea turtles and and those a dorado those are called dorado or dolphin fish, um, eating them up, chewing them down, um, exploring through like underwater shipwreck. I love underwater too. I've talked about this all the time. I love yeah. underwater games, so I just immediately get excited. Well, I love I love three D underwater stuff. I don't okay. I don't like the two D. I don't like underwater levels are my least favorite. Like in Mario games. Um, I actually do love th- 3D underwater, though. Um, sometimes, yeah, he's attacking a beach right now, and I'm just tearing through some human. It just, I mean, it looks like just stupid, silly fun, and uh, so cool. I want to do it. I want to. I want to play it now. I went. I was hoping because I was looking at the game just because it kind of has seemingly shallower gameplay, like it's an arcade type game. I was hoping this would be like a fun little four or five hour playthrough for like twenty bucks. But it is forty bucks. It's thirty nine ninety nine. But uh, you know, in four or five months it'll probably be on sale and then as soon as I buy it it'll be like a PlayStation Plus free game for the month or something after right. I spend money on it. But it looks so cool. That is all. Cool. Um couple of last items that Tim uh sanction sent to us. Um, some sad news. Our Sinclair from the Amigos podcast, the, the, the podcast, our Sinclair, which was a, uh, I say was, I kind of give away the news there. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, a ZX Spectrum podcast, American based ZX Spectrum podcast, uh, is now on permanent hiatus as, uh, boat John has a new job. So he doesn't have enough time to keep doing our Sinclair. And, uh, Tim asked us if we, we meaning, uh, him and us as pixel guide should pick up pick up the slack and create a Sinclair show. Um. I even thought, <laughs> I even thought of doing some cool things where like maybe we would get together with um, with Aaron and like do just a one off like a one off R Sinclair where we pretend to be them. We <laughs> I did I did have that thought where we pretended to be them and we that did like fun. a little just a little spoof but in tribute to them and not not a series but do a little spoof or. We get Aaron on, and we just do a fun one together. That would be fun. But um, I don't know. I don't want to do that. And and then I added a note here. They they actually closed down um, 
not just R. Sinclair. They're doing the, the Atari, the 1200XL show. Uh-huh. The Coco show. The Coco show. They're they're putting all those on hiatus. The only ones left are going to be Amigos and... They had so many shows going. ARG I didn't know presents. how they did it. So this does yeah. not surprise me, but it is a bummer. So, yep. um, well, we still get Amigos, so I'm happy. Yeah, and, I, and maybe it'll come back someday. You never know. Um, he also mentioned there's a new C64 game from a new coder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hazemaker64, who I know that person, uh, on Twitter and Twitch. Um, he's a streamer. He released his first C64 game, Mario is Cement Factory, which I am very familiar with this game. Yeah. Uh, it's a conversion of the 1983 LCD game and watch release from Nintendo. So pick it up on itch.io now. So I have... Mario right there. Factory. That's my Game & Watch right there. I remember when we talked about, when we were talking about Game & Watch, we had an episode where we talked about them, and I, I yep. looked at that one. And This is my favorite Game & Watch game. So. Is it, too? So it's one of the yeah. best ones, right? So yeah. it's not just one of the cheesy ones. It's uh, it's actually one of the better no, ones. No, it's really... Oh, well, a lot of these are pretty good, but yeah, it's, it's, this is a good game. In fact, I will de- definitely download the Commodore game and play it. It's... Okay, good. It's fine. It's going to be and good. I, and I saw the video of it. It looks good. It looks... the, the This guy did a really good job. Yeah, it looks cool. But it continues the trend right now of people putting Game & Watch games on Commodore and other yeah. old microcomputers. So. And his name was at HazeMaker64. Uh, yep, absolutely. I thought I said that. Maybe I didn't. Cool. Eric, let's go ahead and listen to some Talking Tech. Talking Tech. All right, guys. Uh, Cody here with, uh, well, as you can tell, it's not Cody's Corner this month. Uh, instead, I'm doing a talking tech segment. Um, I kind of wanted to go over the good old Nintendo Entertainment System. The reason for this is that I recently did a few things to to mine to get it back up to snuff, and I thought I could uh, mention those things. Some of the newer, um, I say newer, but within the last ten years, ways to fix up your Nintendo Entertainment System, and just a little bit of history about it. Um, should be quick and sweet. But I think it'll be helpful just to kind of hear some of my experiences in case you guys are uh, dealing with any of these issues yourself. So, real quick, the uh, Nintendo Famicom, uh, uh, short for Family Computer, it was actually called the Family Computer, but everyone called it the Famicom, was the first 8-bit Nintendo um, entertainment system, the video game console in Japan. And uh, a lot of you guys probably know that already, but in case you don't, it is a... Actually, I think it's really cool, very of-the-era, early 80s, uh, early to mid-80s. It's... I mean, I guess it was white, uh, like half white and half um, maroon colored. Um, I've got one right here. You can hear it. Um, And it was a much smaller device than the Nintendo Entertainment System, which is the Famicom when it came out here in America a few years later. Um, Now, why did they make these changes? We'll get to that in a second. The family computer, if you haven't seen it, first of all, it's called a family computer instead of of a a video game console. Um, It really is a video game console. Um, There is a disk drive that was added to it later that allows you to put floppy disks in there, and they had kiosks uh, throughout Japan where you could get your games uh, installed on a disk and then play that game, and it's, it's kind of like their version of a rental market. You can go back there, put your disc in, and put a new game on it. Um, and then they also had, they did have a full keyboard that you could plug in as well and use it as more of a full-functioning computer, similar to like a 
TI-994A from Texas Instruments or something akin to that. Um, I think it's a really cool-looking computer or computer uh, console, the, the Famicom. Um, it's got two controllers built into it, and they actually have little slots on the side that you put the controllers in, so it's kind of self-contained. Uh, in Japan, space is much more limited as far as uh, living quarters and people living tight together. So it's only got about a four, three-foot lead on the controllers, and so you can't get too far from the system. Now, to make matters worse, we're not talking about a three-foot cord from the front of the system. We're talking about a three-foot cord in the back of the system where it's actually hardwired into the system. Uh, it is not separate. It's not something you can plug or unplug like the Nintendo revision of the system. Uh, they are built in. So those cords are where they are. Uh, there is a power switch on the front and a reset button. And uh, kind of like the Super Nintendo, there is a switch you can push forward to help eject the game out of the system. Now, that's notable because that means the system is a top-loading system, just like the Super Nintendo. There's a little gate here. It's actually a flap. You flap it over. You can hear it there. And it opens up the port, so that's kind of a dust cover to keep uh, garbage out of the connector. And you can plug your 60-pin Famicom game into that slot uh, and unplug it. So it's very traditional, very simple. Um, and uh, it's worth noting 60-pin because the U.S. version used a 72-pin cartridge. On the front, there's also a connector. Uh, it's, it's very proprietary. It's, what is that, like 13-pin connector? Um, and that was used, I believe, for the light gun accessory at that time. Um, now, real quick, let's... Uh, oh, the only other thing I want to mention is the left and right controllers are different. Uh, what's interesting is one controller has the, a speaker... I'm sorry, a microphone built into it. And some games, including uh, famously uh, Legend of Zelda, you actually had puzzles you had to solve by talking or making noise into the microphone. Um... I love the form factor of these. They are laid out just like the Nintendo. This is where the D-pad became originated and became more or less uh, the first installation of the D-pad that became famous. Nintendo's D-pad is noted for having a column underneath in the center so that you can, when you push a direction, uh, you only go that direction. You can't press, press left and right at the same time, for instance, because there is a center post that allows it to pivot, so you can't hit both. You hit one or pivot back to the other. And that was um, actually made to be a, um, uh, what do you call it, a, a copyright, so that um, p other people couldn't, couldn't use it, basically, without Nintendo, paying Nintendo a lot of money. So their D-pads, for the longest time until that ran out, were by far the best out there. And uh, everyone tried to make something similar, but didn't quite get there. Uh, so, anyways, Nintendo hit the, UP the U.S. market. Um, there was a huge... Video game crash in 1983. I know I'm really glossing over this. And all the stores basically were blowing out, you know, Atari games, ColecoVision games, and television games for a dollar fifty cents. They couldn't get rid of this stuff fast enough. Um, and all kinds of factors. I mean, there's a two-hour discussion on why that all happened. But basically, stores were very gun-shy to carry a, a new video game console. So this was Nintendo's strategy to get back into the market was, hey, what if we don't call it a, Nintendo, or a video game console? What if we make it look like a VHS tape player by having the cartridges load in horizontally and then you push them down <laughs> instead of a top loading, which is all what, you know, which means video games 
uh, to, to the U.S. society. And then what if we called it an entertainment system rather than a video game system? And to help sell that, we'll package it with, you know, famously Rob the Robot. And it's more of a toy slash entertainment uh, thing. It's a, a slant, basically, a marketing slant. And um, it started out in, I want to say, uh, uh, what, what's the fancy uh, New York toy store? FAO Schwartz uh, is the name of that store. And it started out there, and I think there was a market also in, I want to say, Chicago and maybe L.A., and the Nintendo Entertainment System did well. Um, they released it furthermore throughout the rest of the United States, and history you know, uh, was made as Nintendo revitalized the video games industry, and it hasn't stopped growing since, um, becoming, of course, you know, the system in America, something like 95% of video game systems sold were the Nintendo Entertainment System. Maybe it's not quite that high, don't quote me on that, but it, it sure seemed like it. Um, so, what do we have now? Well, now we've got a gray box with uh, controllers that plug in on the front. Again, a proprietary 7-pin controller this time not used in any other system, to my knowledge. And uh, the light gun also uses the same controller port, which is nice. So now if a controller goes bad, uh, you don't have to open the system it up or send it in for repair to do any kind of internal work. You just unplug the controller and plug it in. Um, you've also got this little flap in the front that you lift up, and you put your cartridge in horizontally and push down. So again, it looks more like a VHS. It was more palatable, I guess, at that time by the... Uh, retailers um the cartridge was also a 72 pin connector rather than a 60 pin now the internal electronics were exactly the same uh all they did was basically flip the pins the cartridge upside down and change a couple of the pin configurations so that you couldn't just get the japanese games and plug them right in uh they do make adapters uh, the super b is one um so that you can play you know a Japanese 60-pin Famicom game inside the Nintendo. However, keep in mind, the smaller Famicom games will get lost in there, and you won't be able to pull them out um, with your fingers. you probably have to grab pliers or, or open the thing up to get your game out. So you want to make sure you use a adapter that is going to give you a pull tab or something you can pull out, kind of like the Game Genie, if you guys have ever used one of those. It has a little base on there and a uh, pull tab so that you can pull out the Game Genie unit uh, without it getting lost in your Nintendo. So why do I bring all this up? Well, uh, a couple things have happened as our uh, Nintendos get older and older, um, and we want to keep these in good working order, right? So first of all, I noticed hmm, five or six years ago that I was having to do a lot of pushing the carts in and out, wiggling them around, don't blow in your Nintendos, people. Um, just compacts the problem. And you're getting that red light flashing, uh, you know, the pink light flashing and the red light on the front of your of your console. It's basically saying that it can't read the game and you're trying to get it to connect and it takes five or six tries before you get it to work. And it's annoying. It's a hassle. It doesn't feel good. Um, so there's a couple things you can do. First of all, what this is, is your 72 pin, uh, pin connector inside of the Nintendo itself. The 72 pin connector is a chunk of plastic it's actually really unique because it's actually an adapter that takes uh the edge connectors on the back of your motherboard inside of the uh nintendo and it slides over those and then it makes a big u-turn basically 
and then puts the connectors back again facing the front of the system. So it actually it does a full-on U-turn up and around, and that's where you're putting your game in, uh, sliding the you know the edge connector of your cart into this connector, and then when you push down, you're literally bending the plastic. Um, a little latch holds it into place. But as when that game is in there, which we all left a game in there, pushed down, the whole time there's there is a friction, there's a pressure on those pins, you know, just bending them over time, making them looser and weaker, you know, every second that it's in there and pushed down. Um, so was this a good design? Well, as far as getting the Nintendo to become very successful, yeah, it was an absolutely amazing design. It worked really well for them. As far as us being enthusiasts of the Nintendo this much further on, uh, no. <laughs> um, it's going to hurt the longevity of that connector. So people did a couple things. First of all, you can get replacement 72-pin connectors. Here's the issue here. These things are going to work really well. They're going to be really you know fresh and clean and new and tight. Um, but it's a race to the bottom as far as price on these things. So you're not getting the best quality metal in there. Um, I don't know how many insertions will, will really survive. Uh, the other issue is you'll notice these things are so new and so imperfect that they're usually really tight, and it, you have to force your game in there, and uh, too much force. You're basically scraping the, the edge connector off of your cartridges as you push them in and out. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this. It's a little too damaging. Um, there's some good ones out there probably, but uh, I've seen a couple and pushed, you know, it's, it's too tight. Um, now, there's another replacement option. Uh, and this one became very popular, and it's still out there. It's uh, $30, and this is called the Blinking Light Win. Now, the Blinking Light Win is unique. Um, first of all, it's not just a replacement connector. It's an entire connector and caddy uh, replacement. So you open up your Nintendo, uh, take out the existing connector, and put this whole new, I'm going to call it a caddy, inside the Nintendo, screw it down. It's very simple. And... Basically, now it's got really nice quality parts. The game still slides in horizontally, but now you don't push down anymore. So if you're a purist and that's part of the experience for you, which it is for me, it's different because now you're going to push this this game in and it's just going to go in and that's it. It's like a top loader, just horizontal, and that's it. Um, I've heard really good things about these, um, but you are going to lose that, that, I guess it's more form than function of the Nintendo, so you have to know that up front. Now, the other thing it does, it's called the Blinking Light Win. Why do you call it that? Well, I'll get to that here right now. The Nintendo uh, in America, for some reason, they put a chip inside our Nintendo. And I'm guessing Europe as well. I'm, I apologize. I'm not too studied up on the European version, which is a physically similar Nintendo to the one we have here in America. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But they put a chip in there that's basically a region lockout chip. Uh, slash anti-piracy chip, slash uh, makes half my good games not work chip. Uh, and they call it, it's, histor- it's called the 10 NES chip, the 10 NES chip. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's chip 10. I didn't really look in there. But basically this chip is just a, is, it's super... It's, it's a failed attempt, in my opinion, at security, as it blocks out so many things. And when you turn on your Nintendo and you see that light blink, that's the 10S chip basically saying, trying to run the game, wait, it's not running perfectly, shut it down, it's probably a fake. Um, and, it, and it makes it really hard to, to 
you know, make good games. It has makes good games go bad. Um, so there's a blinking light win. Basically, I don't know how, but bypasses that chip, bypasses that circuitry, does something, tricks it, I don't know, does something where it no longer needs the 10S chip, and it gets rid of that issue. Uh, really good solution. If you're looking for a drop-in, simple solution um, that you can always reverse later if you want, Blinking Light Win might be a good solution for you. Now, I'll tell you what I did, because I did none of these things to mine. The first thing I did was I wanted to get rid of the issue with my 72 pin connector and I you know you read some read some weird things on the internet so you never know what's true or not but I heard or more that you could boil your connector now that sounds crazy uh but I was like you know what I'll try that first if it doesn't work I'll get a replacement so sure enough I put up some boiling water I if I remember correctly and go ahead and check online I think it was like boil your connector for two minutes so I got some boiling water dropped the connector in for two minutes pulled it out let it dry well (laughs) And uh, it basically um, not only got all the gunk off the tabs, which you can't really get to by hand, um, it also allowed the metal connector pins to bend kind of back into place, to fall back into place. Uh, the pins on my, uh, my NES now are the perfect resistance. They are clean. And they make contact almost every time now. It it does a really good job. I would suggest this to everybody. Keep in mind, this is another kind of weird historical thing. There's an NES cleaning kit that came from Nintendo. And it was their manufactured solution for cleaning your Nintendo. Do not use this. It is awful. It is basically a piece of cardboard, hard cardboard, with a piece of thin cloth on it. That you're supposed to like put, um, you know, their fancy Nintendo spray on there. It says not alcohol. Don't use alcohol. Use this spray. Well, it's basically, I think, alcohol and water. Um, and you just shove that in and out of your pins over and over again. But what happens every time, from what I've heard from people on the internet, every time that you use this thing, the cloth just gets tore up by the sharp metal pins, and you get little chunks of cloth in your Nintendo, making it even worse than it was when it was dirty. Um, don't use that. <laughs> Just boil your connector. Uh, it comes right off. No, I mean, you have to use some screw unscrewing to get to it, but it just pops off. Boil it. Uh, let it dry. Throw it back on. Worked great for me. The other uh, issue was that 10S chip. Uh, even after I cleaned my connector, sometimes you would get the blinking light, and that didn't mean I didn't necessarily have good connection. Uh, it could mean a number of things that just tricked this game, in particular, tricked my Nintendo into thinking it didn't have a good game in there. This is really simple, and it's a little nerve-wracking. But if you go to the 10S chip uh, and go online uh, to, to verify which chip it is, uh, you'll see that chip has, I want to say, 20 pins, something like that. Um, and that's why I'm giving you enough information to go research it and do it yourself. Don't, this is not a tutorial. Uh, but basically, you can go to pin 1, which will have a little dot on the top of the IC of the chip, and that's pin one. You just count one, two, three, four. Pin four, cut it. You know, snip it with some um, clippers somehow or whatever you, you want to use. Clip that and you're done. Now the 10S chip is bypassed. Uh, no hard feelings. Everything moves on. And I did that and it was very easy. And, um, you know, on a level of difficulty, I would say this is a two out of 10 because opening your Nintendo and bolting it all back together, I guess, for those who don't do that regularly, it could be a little daunting, but it's not bad at all. You're going to be able to do this. 
Um, worst case scenario, if you have any soldering skills and you clip the wrong pin, you could solder it back together. Uh, but pin four, cut it, you're good. Uh, so more recently, actually this last week, I was noticing that I was getting some really big waves when I was playing my game on the screen. And it was really distracting and it was making it kind of unpleasurable to play Nintendo. Uh, and it's on my CRT, but if I were to put it on my LED screen, it would do the same thing. So I started doing some research, and it could be a number of things. I urge you to start at the bottom of the list and work your way up, because the simplest thing is absolutely what it was, and after taking my apart my entire Nintendo, which I don't mind because I did get to clean things out and cut that uh, pin 4 off my 10S chip, um, but I was getting ready to replace capacitors in there, which is one of the things it could be. Um, Typically, I guess the capacitors in the RF modulator unit, uh, which it creates RF signal for your, you know, and your TVs, your CRT TVs, um, everything does run through those capacitors before it goes through the modulator, or if it goes out your uh, coax, your not coax, your component cables, your your yellow and your red on the Nintendo. So uh, you can replace those capacitors. That could fix it. Um, however, I looked at my power supply and tested it, and it tested fine, so I didn't think that was the issue. But it's most likely your power supply. I don't know what goes bad in a power supply where it starts putting up bad voltage. These old power supplies are literally just transformers. They're coils of wire, and that's it. I even opened mine up to look in there, and everything's connected. Everything works. Um, I guess, I mean, the voltage was right. I don't know what goes bad in these things. But sure enough, I got a newer power supply, and plugged it in, and it fixed all the wavy lines on my Nintendo. Super simple. Um, if you're going to be working on... Well, if you're going to own a Nintendo or collect games, I you need to go out there and buy a, a video game toolkit. Um, some of the ones you'll, you'll absolutely want. I've got a couple here. There's a couple screwdrivers that have specific uh, nut patterns on here that are specific to video games. There's a very small one. It almost looks like a little flower. And then there's a little larger one. Now, that smaller one uh, will help you get into uh, Nintendo games. Um, the larger one will do, like, Sega Genesis games and uh, some various screws on different consoles themselves. You need a pair of these. Um, I think they're, like, $3 each on eBay, or you can get a full kit with some other stuff for, like, $10, 15 Just get the full kit. Uh not that it's related, but uh, if you're ever going to do like Game Boy or some other Game Boy Advance, they have a little um, Y uh, screwdriver that tip that's specific to those games. I suggest you get those. Uh, going to go a long way. Um, also know that uh, a lot of the Nintendo games and other games, Sega Genesis games and things for that like that, uh, will have batter- batteries in them, and they're a little coin cell battery. Um, and so if your game is not saving, this is a very simple thing I know for a lot of people, but if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, open your cart up using one of these screwdrivers. Uh, for example, Legend of Zelda is the first game, I believe, um, that ever saved. And you open that up. There's a little coin battery. It looks like a coin, like a dime or a 10 pence piece, if you will. Uh, you're going to pop that out, pop a new one in. These batteries, the coin cells, uh, I've never seen one leak, so it's not a worry of, of you know, battery leakage damaging anything it's just the battery's dead it literally lasted for sometimes they're still good i mean these things last for 25 35 years so just put a new coin cell battery and you can get them at uh, longs or you know of course amazon sells everything um 
for a couple bucks and you'll be able to save with that cartridge again. Now here's another one a lot of people I don't think have talked about and I've noticed this. Um, specifically uh, some Nintendo but more with Genesis. You'll find a lot of failed games. I know I'm jumping ship here from Nintendo but I think it's important to know. Uh, if your game is failed uh, you can open it up, look at the circuit board on the game itself. Um, you can usually... I've fixed almost every game with one of two methods. First thing that I do is get a multimeter and set it set it to continuity testing. Now, continuity test, if you don't know, just means is power able to get from point A to point B? So I will go to each one of those pins, put one of my uh, leads from the multimeter on a, on a pin, and follow it far back as I can go. I mean, you can visually just follow back that circuit and test it from the highest point to the bottom point and make sure there's continuity. Do that on all your pins. You will half the time find one that doesn't connect. A lot of times, um, just from people blowing crap in there or wearing it, doing I don't know what, um, that little pin uh, on the edge connector, right where it meets the cartridge shell, before it goes into the cartridge, will get either worn away or corrode away from gunk, and you'll lose connection. And it's as simple as that. How do you fix that? Well, you simply get, you know, a alcohol and a, a Q-tip or something, wipe that off, um, and then you either can solder a little wire there. Uh, that's not the cleanest way to do it. You can just try to solder straight over if you need to take a little of the mask off and solder straight over, make a bridge there to reconnect that. That works. Or if you have a, um, like I do right here behind me, a little uh, liquid solder pen where you literally just roll it on there and leave it out for 24 hours. Um, that probably makes the, the thinnest, cleanest connection. But once you connect that pin back up, your game will work again. Uh, if there are no breaks, then there's typically one or two capacitors on the circuit board. Um, replace them. I've gotten almost every game to work with these two methods. Keep that in mind. The last thing I wanted to say uh, is, just in case you didn't know, um, the Japanese Famicom and the U.S. Nintendo Entertainment System are both 60 hertz powered machines. So their games run at 60 hertz. Works really well for us. Um, one thing to note is if you do get a Famicom, they don't use uh, DC like our American ones do. They use AC. So if you reverse those power supplies, you can't use the American one. It'll blow up your... Um, I think I got that backwards, but if you put AC into this uh, Famicom, it'll blow it up, and I did that. So, uh, know that. And then the other thing to know, too, and I think this is a big reason why the NES didn't take off in Europe, is that Europe's Nintendo is almost exactly our Nintendo, down to the fact that it runs, um, even though it runs on 50 hertz, uh, it runs everything, um, all the software... I shouldn't say that. The software was programmed at 60 hertz for the Japanese and American markets, and almost all of the game designers didn't bother to do anything with the programming to fix it to run at the correct speed when running on a 50 hertz machine. So, historically, uh, you know, instead of running 60 out of 60, it's going to be running at a speed that is uh, roughly eh, 20%, I'll just say 20% slower so these games are sluggish if they're played that way. And so I think uh, a lot of people in England played these games hearing all the hype, or maybe they didn't hear the hype, and just thought to themselves, this is a lackluster experience. I'm not sure why this is so big over there. I'm going to go back to my master system. 
which was done correctly. I talked a lot. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I just think that there's a lot to know here, and these are very simple things, things I've experienced personally, um, to make your NES uh, run better, uh, to have a little back story, a little insight, and to um, just, I guess, enjoy your NES that much more. Talk to you next time. So this month for Eric's Take, I wanted to talk about the, um, I guess uh, it's called a micro console called the Ouya. And it has an interesting history. But what really piqued my interest in this was I was on Twitter and I saw the legendary at Gakagami, who is here. His name is Gamiel Rankin. I got that right, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) So Gamiel recently not only hacked the hardware on his but also the software and i really want to discuss that because uh this thing's been sitting behind my tv unused for a couple of years and i would love to pop it back into service so hello gamiel how you doing i am doing just fine So let me ask you first about your history with the Ouya. Did you participate in the Kickstarter or did you grab it from a retail location? Okay, I didn't participate in the Kickstarter, but I followed it throughout the entire time. So I knew about it. I was interested in it and um, just followed it throughout. And um, when it finally came out retail-wise, then I bought it. And I remember the Kickstarter itself was very interesting and followed by a lot of people because it was a record-breaking Kickstarter at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember, so I remember following it like it was, I think, one of the quickest to reach a million. And then it, it I think, I, don't, yeah. I might have the numbers here, it, it, it raised $8.5 million in a Kickstarter. Something like, yeah. Which is pretty like, incredible. Like all my friends were talking about it too. Which <laughs> that's interesting because I don't I didn't hear many people talking about it at all, but you heard a ton. That's good. I heard a ton, yeah. So where did you buy it? Oh snap! Do you where remember? Because I, I remember. It? So I think I lied to a lot of people online because on Twitter I said I did the Kickstarter, and then I realized when I looked through my garage, I bought it at Target. <laughs> Okay, I think I did buy it at Target also. I want to say I did it, buy it at Target. Yeah, I think because that was one of the main retailers that sold it. Because I don't think GameStop sold it. I, I think it was only Target and maybe one other place. I know GameStop got it too. Because they yeah, GameStop had it. Target oh, yeah. had it. And I think that's all I knew. I, I knew GameStop and Target. I, yeah. I didn't fit anywhere else. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that it was at Target, I found pretty interesting. So I remember when I saw it, I jumped into it. But I was like you. I followed the Kickstarter for sure because it was big news. Um, so let me go into some of the details here. The release date on the Ouya was June 25th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it it um, was announced much earlier than that. I think it was almost uh, a year earlier. Uh, I don't see the date on here. Oh, it was in 2012. Um I don't see the exact date here, but 2012, um, and it launched 
at the price of $99. Does that about, does that match yes. up with your recollection? Yeah. And it came with one controller, I believe. Yeah. I think that's the main thing people um, grasp. It was just $99. Like, oh, it costs all $99. Let me look at that. <laughs> yeah. And that I was big into Android because I never was into iPhones much. So I was like okay. very interested that this thing was running Android. Yeah. Back at the time when this launched, I was into like hacking my phones and stuff. That's when I was doing that a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and so was I, actually. I would root my phone. Every phone I got, I would root, and I would yeah. throw on, uh, what was that, uh, the Cyanogen? Cyanogen mod. Yep, <laughs> that's the one I would do, too. So um, it, the, the operating system on that one was Android 4.1 Jelly Bean um, yeah, with a custom Bean. Ouya launcher. Mm-hmm. Um, it had the system on a chip, which was the um, NVIDIA Tegra 3, um, yeah. 1.7 gigahertz quad core ARM Cortex A9 with one gigabyte of RAM. Um, it had an eight, eight gigabyte in eight gigabytes internal flash memory, 16 gig. So basically, in a nutshell, without getting too much into this, well, it also had an NVIDIA GeForce. It, it was basically an Android phone for its time on steroids that was thrown in a little box, right? Yes. Basically, and <laughs> let's describe. Let's describe for people that don't know what the Ouya is. Why don't you describe what it looks like to us? And I'm sitting here looking at it. I got it in my hand. Oh, what does it look like? It's a little small box that looks. The outline looks like a U. If you can imagine a cube, that is a U on all four sides. <laughs> Yep, I think that's good. It's like a cube that it, that the corners on the bottom are like smoothed out, like they're cut out and, and curved. Um, and then the power button's on the top, clicking it. <laughs> and then the, the back has the an Ethernet port, uh, USB, HDMI, a small, um, looks like, is that micro USB? Yes. And the power adapter, right? And the colors, you, what, what color is yours? I have a silver one. Yep, me too. So I have a silver and black one, which I think was the common retail one. But there was yeah. a developer one, from what I remember, that and was kind of clear. clear. Yes, it was yeah, clear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wonder if those are pretty sought after. Have you looked into those? Uh, now that I now that it's passed, now I'm looking for it. I can't find it anywhere. But back in the I day, bet. a couple of years back, you could find them. So let's talk about the controller a little bit. So why don't you explain some of the cool things about the controller? Well, I love the controller, especially it was the first controller to have a touchpad. Like the PS4. Before the PlayStation, right? Yes, because it launched right before the PlayStation. <laughs> like right. a couple months before. So, I think the, so the guy, I, I lost my controller. Where did it go? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I'll find it. Yeah, and um, I like the touchpad and the top button. The top lights indicate which um, player you are, like first, second, third, fourth. And it's very simple. And the batteries are actually hidden behind the face face plates on the left and right sides. On the front, right? So, like, yep. on the front of the controller, the, the face plates are magnetically held in. 
and the batteries are underneath, which I found actually a really cool design, kind of reminiscent of, um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever taken apart like IMAX before, like the modern IMAX. Mm. The the screen, the glass screen on the front is magnetically held in. You have to use suction cups to pull that big screen off. And then from that, oh, yeah, yeah. there's a bezel that you unscrew the screws. And it always reminded me a little bit of that. It's a very clever design. Now, my history of uh, the controller, I don't know if I, I know you were on, on social media back then. Um, the big the big <laughs> kind of complaint and everybody screaming about it was that they yeah. – People didn't like this controller very much. I don't know why. I, lo- I love the, the, the design of a controller. It functions just fine to me. I never had a problem with any of the buttons. If I had to critique any button, it would be the triggers. They're kind of mushy. They are mushy, and I agree with that. That was, And that's what I would I – would, when people would complain to me about it, I would say – that I agreed that the triggers. So first of all, the controller is almost like an Xbox or PlayStation one. I mean, it's two, it's two analog sticks, one D pad, four buttons, yeah. and then you have two shoulders and two triggers, yeah, right? Pretty much the same layout. Yeah. And then it also has, like you mentioned, the touchpad on the front, which was innovative for its time, which came in handy because some of the apps on there were, um, you could control with a cursor. You could like, I remember some of the emulators were like that. Yeah. Um, but p- people would complain about this controller and I never understood it. I guess in a little, a bit of a way, it does have kind of a cheap feel to it. I mean, <laughs> the plastic, it's pretty lightweight, but the way they balance the batteries in each side was, I think, pretty innovative. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of weight put on the back or the front. Um, I actually thought the controller was the, one of the highlights of the console, to be honest with you. Yeah, dope controller to me. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and so I so the the funny thing is I bought it at Target and it came with one controller. I immediately went out and got a second controller at Target, and then I went and got two more so I could play four player games. And I th- think I loaned those out. I don't have them anymore. I only have two, I still have two controllers. Just two. Yep, I only have two, but I heard, and, and maybe you're, I know later on you're going to do most of talking because we're going to talk about the mods and the hacks, but from what I understand, you can join PS3 and Xbox controllers to this, right? Yes. The PS3 controller is the most compatible from my experience so far. Like, the and, button layout's same. Okay. And it just hooks up. You plug it up with um, what, USB, and then once okay. it's paired, Unplug it and then that's it, <laughs> and that's it. Wow, and that's cool because I have a PS3 controller around here somewhere. That, that that's gonna that would give us a definitely uh, more multiplayer action. So I'm I'm really yeah. looking for that because I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna root mine. So <laughs> it, I don't think there's any. Uh, let, let's talk about before we do that. Ouya had its own storefront, if you remember, yeah, and. The, in the beginning, they were they required all developers to release demos of their games, mm-hmm. which I thought was a great idea, um, but it didn't last long. I think within a year, they realized that a lot of these developers were it was a it was a hassle for a lot of them. Um, also, the um, the they, they forced developers to be exclusive to just the Ouya if they took money. They had this fund. I don't remember yes. what it was called. 
Do you remember oh, that? What was it called? I know what it had a name to it, like Players Fund or something. I, I don't um I don't remember the name of it. I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, they had this um they had this fund where they would give you some development money to make an app, but your deal with them was there was a period of exclusivity that that you had to you had to give to Ouya as well as you, you, for all your games, you had to make demos. Um, that went away. Cause I guess, uh, honestly, I think it went away because they didn't have a lot of money cause it wasn't doing so well um, mm-hmm. selling through. Um, and, and, and developers didn't want to just do for the Ouya cause it wasn't doing that well. They weren't selling that many copies. So they didn't want the exclusivity yeah. of that deal. So mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't do that. Um, but eventually they went out of business. So we'll, we'll bring the Ouya story mm-hmm. to close here. I think that was in 2015. Yeah, I think well, so. They didn't, well, they didn't go out of business. They sold to sold Razor, right? To Razor, yes. Now, I was out of the Ouya by then. I, was, I had moved on to something else. I still had my Ouya, which I still have mine. But do you remember what, what was it like when it went to Razor? Razor took over. Did they make it many changes to the storefront or anything like that? Um, I didn't use it, but um, basically what happened was they sold it, and you could launch it through their um, Android system. Uh, do you remember the name of Razer's Android system? I do, oh, man. I don't remember the name, but they do have one. They have an independent one. Um, I don't even have a computer in front of me to use. Um, <laughs> it's over off to the side, but no, but I, I, so basically they had their own kind of storefront, right? Yes. So basically and- on, on their, on their system, you can um, download an Ouya app. So it wouldn't, it wasn't a merger of the stores. It was like a separate app that you can run on their platform basically. Okay. So really, they they didn't they didn't really support the the Ouya itself. They encouraged people to come to their platform where they had an Ouya storefront where all their purchases would show up. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. That makes sense because <laughs> I, I wouldn't think they'd want to keep supporting the the uh, the Ouya hardware itself, right? Yeah, they 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 just moved uh, got the store and they moved on from there. <laughs> And that fund we were talking about it was called Free the Games Fund. Free the Games. There we go. <laughs> yep. And they would um, pledge dollar for dollar a minimum of $50,000. Um, ma- they would match a Kickstarter campaign, pledge dollar for dollar if a minimum of $50,000 was, was raised for a game. So that was the deal. So it was a kind of an interesting way to raise money. Um, another thing that should be pointed out is uh, – the Ouya has Wi-Fi, of course, so you can download apps. At least you could when it was running. Um, spotty Wi-Fi. That, yeah, it's spotty Wi-Fi, exactly. I remember that. Um, so you'd want to plug it in. There's an Ethernet port in the back, so you'd want to connect it into Ethernet if possible. Yeah, for sure. But, but tell me about um, – so when, when everything collapsed – I was out of the scene, so I was kind of like, oh, man. And, and and I figured maybe you didn't jump right back into it. But when you did finally come in, here's what I heard. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. When you booted up your Ouya, and they gave plenty of notice. Razor was like, hey, here's the day when this is going to stop working. Yeah. 
in, in Ouya, when it boots up, it phones home, right? It has to go to specific servers where you can log in and, and it allows you to play your purchases, right? Yep. Is that right? <laughs> yes. But there was a day that happened where they just turned that server off. Yeah, and that made a lot of people frustrated. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, exactly. And I, I would read about it and I would go, whatever, you know, my Ouya isn't behind the TV. And I, I did in my back of my mind think... Um, since I'm a retro guy, I thought, you know, in five or six years, I'm going to come back to this and try to see if I can get it to work or whatever. And the cool thing is when I read your tweets, I was like, now's the time. Um, <laughs> so you haven't so booted did, it back since, since, right? Oh, nope. I haven't even touched it. I haven't okay. even booted up. So you're going to experience it then? <laughs> yep. And, and I did I did read a little bit about it, but I wanted, I wanted to hear it from you. So let's say you're like me. I, I mean, the listeners are like me. They haven't touched their Ouya since the collapse. What 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 do you tell me? What happens when you boot that Ouya up? Okay, once you boot it up, everything's normal. If you go, wait, let me look at my Ouya right now. Yep, because <laughs> I have it on. Okay, it'll go to the main screen. Okay, if you go to play, or let me see, play make or manage, as long as you don't try to connect to anything outside of your console, if you have to connect to the internet, you'll be okay. But like, if you go to discover to the storefront, it'll try to connect. And then once it, it finds out that there's no server, it'll ask you to re-log in and you'll be stuck in that area. Even though you, you know, you have your, log in, you're putting in the right password, but it'll keep asking for your login because it can't, doesn't connect to a server. Because the server's Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, so, but if there are games on my Ouya right now and I don't go to those internet areas, will those games still play on there? Yes. Uh, oh. My experience from, like, when I first booted it right back up, I just wanted to play, um you know, on an emulator or whatnot, and it was just fine. But once I went to connect to the server, that's when I I was basically locked out for a while. So when you were locked out, when you do that and you get locked out, if you reboot it, are you okay or you're just locked out from that point on? You're locked out. It goes back to where you were. Oh, man. You log into your password. (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I don't even remember my Ouya password, to be honest. Um, okay. So how do you get around that? Because I know that's the first step, and then you did, you've done some other stuff to it. But I want to hear the first step on let's. how do you make this thing work again? <laughs> okay. Once I found that out, I went to you know on the internet, see what was up. And there is um, there's a bypass that you can do if you just want to bypass it. Um, I think it's, there's a write-up on Ouya.world about it. So if okay. you do that, you can bypass it and go straight to back, you know, to play your games or whatnot. But there is also, I want to say two. There's not three. Yeah, there's two groups that created uh, a database for um, servers. They're optional servers that you can use, which they have every Ouya game in their server that you can download. So right now I have it hooked up 
to a server and it reacts like normal. Like Ooh, wow. the stores, they have the store up. Um, they have some developers adding games to it that weren't initially on it. Like there's the play, PlayStation Portable PS, wait, PPSSPP emulator that was never part of the Uyo um, store. Yeah. They put that on there. So, oh, wow. Yeah, they have troopers uh, running running servers right now for it. <laughs> I want to stay, what was it? It's CW something. I have to look it up on um, Twitter. But that's the one that um, I um, uploaded to my Ouya. That's interesting. Because I do remember in the later life of my Ouya, like I, I loved playing games like Towerfall. And there was a there was a rogue, um, a turn-based roguelike called 100 Rogues. And I, yeah. and I love those games. And, and I play multiplayer stuff all the time. But that, towards the end of the life... I was doing emulators and I was doing NES, SNES, Genesis. Yeah. But it was a great little emulator platform. That's what I basically use it for most of the time right now. <laughs> Do you know if there's Plex on there? Because I've been looking for another Plex, or Plex um, not server, but client for like one of my TVs. That would be awesome. I wonder if Plex is on there. <laughs> I know XBMC was back in the day, right? Yes, XBMC was on there. Moonlight. I want to say that I'm I'm not sure if it's on the store. I'm on the search, but uh, I know you can sideload Plex um, from the uh, Android app. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so is so how how difficult would you say if if somebody doing this was uh, was a beginner? Is it you don't you're not rooting the rooting the Ouya right? Because that was kind of rooted already, isn't isn't that true? Oh no! Um, no, okay. Because I thought they, they had they, their claim to fame was they they encouraged hacking and stuff like that. No, they yes they did, but um, what is it? Certain things you have to do to root it, but um, as far as the storefront, no, you don't have to root it. You just change the DNS to point to different servers, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yes, Plex is on it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> um, so, so basically the, the first step in this is maybe just changing. It's the DNS on the system itself. Right. And there's some way to do that. Yeah. Um, on the, on a forum from a link from the, um, the group, I think it was a, a file that I dropped in. And they had information already on it. Um, gotcha. But I, it was just drag and drop once it was connected to my computer. And connecting it to your computer, was that a big deal? Um, not not a big deal. I had to do it not twice, though. I had to do it twice because okay. it didn't d- download the drivers the first time. Then I had to re- uh, unconnect it, reconnect it, and then it did. It was fine at then. <laughs> and we, we, you were doing that from a Windows 10 machine? Yes, Windows 10. Okay. So and I've done similar things to other other things. I, I, they're not coming to my mind right now, but I know um, – oh, it was Android tablets. I wanted to root like some Android tablets. This was a few years ago, but it was kind of similar. You do an ADB shell, um, yeah. and you do a few things here and there, and then you have access, and then you can look mount it like a file system, right? Yes. 
and you just drag and drop that file you're talking about and and boom you've got the storefront yeah. access and you you set up a new username and password right because i don't remember my ouya password so hopefully you're not using the old one right yeah you just basically you you yeah you 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 type in a username and password but it doesn't save it or you know <laughs> yeah but yeah so you after the information in so after that is that is that the main that's probably the main hack right now right and then yeah just to have the what else is there. there is there more advanced stuff like different operating systems or anything there is a few um that i was looking at thinking of um putting it on there but the only reason i didn't put it on there because i want the original boot Ooh, your boot screen. <laughs> and basically, you can update it and um, to like um, a newer Android version. And they have, um, oh, I can't remember the name. I have to look it up. But like the like Play Store access and all that? No, like, um, like, like if you're flashing to a new ROM, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. So some things you can't. Um, put on the Ouya because of the Android version. Right, because it's an old version nowadays. Jelly Bean, yeah. right? So it's, yeah. it's an old <laughs> But you can't one now. You can't flash a I mean it is Android, so you can't flash a, a newer ROM onto it and have access to some things um that you wouldn't normally have, but it, it, it the interface that I've seen so far it's like a tablet interface, and I don't want that. That's the like that. That's the only thing that kept me away from using it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd want to do that either because if, I just kind of wanted a snapshot in time. Like if it'll look like the old Ouya, but you have access to all the games, I, that's what yeah, I don't want. Exactly. <laughs> and and new ones, like you said, they're building new emulators, new games, whatever. I I I'd, I'd want to tap into that for sure. Yeah, and um, what was it the the latest dream? It's a Dreamcast, Dream Dreamcast oh, really? emulator on the current see- version of um, Ouya. Okay, on, on Ouya. it works okay. But then they had a new version that came out. It doesn't work because of the Android version. So okay. if you want the newer version of that emulator, you would have to flash to a newer Android version. <laughs> Gotcha. Um, so, so that seems to cover the hack part about it. Now, what you, in your experience so far? What is, have there been any highlights? Like the the what's the coolest thing about that you've been able to gain to get from the, from these kind of mods and hacks? I mean, is there are there any highlights, or is it just kind of like back to being able to use your Ouya again, like you did before? Uh, back to being. To using my Ouya, and also I'm surprised at how well the PSP emulator works that they added to the store. So I'm really happy about that because I've I've had um, a PlayStation um, PSP, but I didn't really use it on a regular. Now yeah. I'm going back to it and you know rekindling old games that I didn't really enjoy back in the day. 
I, and I got, I get you there because I would love if if um if I had a PSP emulator that had save states that would save me so much time because I just bought uh, one of the fat PSPs you know the original ones yeah because they were so easy to hack and I hacked it and I can play I can download and play just about anything on it but I would love like a situation where I could like do save states on PSP games I mean can you imagine being able to play those mm-hmm. RPGs that are on there and be able to just you know, just save wherever you are instead of having to find a save point and all that stuff. The PP, I mean, that would be amazing. PP it, it does have save states also. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it just for that. And playing PSP on the big screen, that would be amazing. Yeah. It looks re- really nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 so that's the killer app for me. That's what I'm looking <laughs> forward to. Now, let, let me, let me get into this and I might be overblowing this, but in my mind, I was like, what are you doing? Because I saw you hacking the hardware. Yeah, you popped a new <laughs> fan in. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, just because <laughs> I, I, put right. in, <laughs> I, I put in a Noctua fan. Um, you know, since it's Noctua fans are known to be silent and push a lot of air. So I decided yeah. to ju- just to throw one into my Ouya just to see how um, that would go. It's, it's more silent when running, and it seems um, about five degrees cooler. Wow! So, and so, but the old fan was working fine. You just decided to throw this fine. bad boy in there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm a hacker. Yeah, I'm my, my <laughs> I, I like building computers and stuff, so. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, it was awesome because I was like, what are you doing? What's going on here? But it looked really cool. And I figured it was because, I mean, I know those fans are legendarily quiet. So yeah. that would be cool. Now, and it fit in there is the same size and everything. Yeah, same size. I didn't have any problems um, putting it in there. So, it? Like screw holes and everything. I mean, I don't know what the hell yeah. I'm talking about because I've never taken my Ouya apart. But, <laughs> but I yeah. assume that like it's just all the screw holes are the same. The wiring, did you did it just plug well, into the motherboard to get power? Or? It's the same, um, same size. You know, uh, what forty by okay. ten millimeter. But um, also the the fan that I got, it comes mm-hmm. with a Omni joint adapter. So I did have to cut the connector and use the adapter to connect to the input of um gotcha. the But it's just positive and negative for a fan, right? Yeah. It's so, very simple, especially with the yeah. adapter set that came with the fan. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so is that fan a pretty standard size for PC builds? Oh uh, no. What what I had I had to look up um what um the size was. Okay. And basically, it was a fan that they use for that a lot of people use for um, what is it? What are those things? The um, three D printers. Three D printers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I can imagine that you would want to do um, high because those things get hot. They yeah. get hot. Because I, I have a friend that has one, and that the those things get super hot. So I imagine you want them quiet and airflow. Because you, sometimes you're running that thing all night, and you don't want a fan down there making a bunch of noise, keeping you awake at night. Yeah. Interesting. So, so <laughs> it's a pretty easy to get fan. Yes. Standard size. You can find them anywhere. Oh, that's awesome. So, mm-hmm. so you pop that in there, and it's quiet, and you're tucking away. So. 
you're using the Ouya quite a bit these days, I imagine, right? Yep. Every now and then, I I, I jump back on it just to see what I can mod about it or update. (laughs) Yeah. And refresh my memory on that, and this is a question for me. I I guess it might be interesting to listeners, but can you expand the internal storage? Because it came in two versions, if I remember right, the 8, what was it, 8 gig and 16 gig and... The 16 gig was like 129 at launch, and then there was an 8 gig version. But can you put like a USB thumb drive in the back and expand the storage or something like that? Yeah, the um, the the thumb drive I use is a Samsung, and it's like what 32 gigabytes, or is it 64? Oh, okay, but you just pop that in the back, and it just shows up as additional storage. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know you could just boot. Like, I thought you had to root it to be able to mount different file systems and everything. No, the Ouya actually has a, if you have um, a a thumb drive or um, external storage, you can actually um, save your games or files to it instead of the actual uh, memory on the Ouya. Okay, because that I'm, that's what I mean. If I really get into this, I always fill these things up really quick <laughs> yeah. with ROMs and ROM sets and stuff like that. So, wow. Okay, that's good to know. And what's interesting is because it's a USB port, you can probably plug like uh, an SSD hard drive in the back or something, right? Yeah, if you wanted to. Well, what, what I'm thinking is, man, why don't I just make this a Plex server? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I if the Plex server will run on there. That would. That would be interesting. I, I know someone used it as basically um, a streaming device for um for their house, so I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Put a little like a terabyte SSD on the back and just put all the, my kids' movies and stuff on there. That would be pretty slick. Yeah, I got to show you a picture of um I'm I'm uploaded Twitter later of what I use as my external stor- storage, and I was thinking okay. that if if they had this. This would be a, like it would be a perfect storage drive for the Ouya, but just had Ouya um, branding on it. That that would have been perfect. It looks like it fits like it's for the freaking Ouya. <laughs> oh, I need to see that because I'll get that. Because if I could, if I could plug this thing in on my TV and tuck it away, and it could be like a storage thing for streaming music, even or movies. That man, that would be an ideal way to re- make this make this Ouya pay pay its uh, way in the house. You know, paying rent. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's well, the same, see, now they all it again. Everything. I'm going to have to yeah, post that on Twitter. I want to see that. And for all the people out there uh, that want to check that out, that he, he is, goes by at Gakagami, G-A-K-A-G-A-M-M-Y. And, and uh, th- this is what sparked my interest in this subject was I was following you on Twitter going, well, what are you doing? This is crazy. I want, to, I want in. <laughs> yeah, I try to find little things that it looks like I want it to be uniform, but I want to change it in a better way. Like one yeah. in that thumb drive that I use, it looks like it was made for the Ouya. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I'm, a, I'm definitely going to check that out. So in the, uh, the parting shots here, when, what was your favorite game either today or now on the Ouya? Were there any Ouya titles that you really loved? Let me see. 
Because it yeah. took me a while to remember, because my memory is not so good anymore. And I was thinking of way back when, and I remember playing 100 Rogues a lot. I really liked that turn-based roguelike game. But I do remember with all my friends, I'd play Towerfall, and that was yeah. the first place. I even rebought Towerfall on the on the Switch. Yeah, because um, that, that thing's a blast to play with multi multiplayer. I played with my son, um, but I was I was wondering, do you remember any really high quality games that you really liked on that platform? Okay, like every I want to say month or so, or every two months, I'd break out the Ouya and play with my cousins and nephew. Cause they 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 like it when they, I bring it out. They're like, oh, oh yeah, and they love playing <laughs> the Amazing Frog. That's their favorite game. As soon as oh, I bring it out, we're gonna play Amazing Frog. <laughs> yeah, that is that's awesome. So, um, Amazing Frog that would probably be the most played game, the most played Ouya title that I've um, played. Um, Bomb Squad. That's another good yeah. multiplayer game. That's a great one. That was another one I really liked. I, I did own that. I, I bought that back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Towerfall, um, Neon Shadow Shooter. Okay. And um, what was the other one? Duck Game. <laughs> See, that, 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 that like, is, is, is uh, firing off some of my neurons in my brain, but I don't remember it. Like, I, I think I, I vaguely remember it. <laughs> but, yeah, Duck Game that – um, I'm pretty. You could buy it on any system now, but that, okay. that was another um, title that I played all the time. I'm going to oh, check that out. So, and you're saying that when you connect to these storefronts, all these games are on there that you can download. Is that right? Yeah, they're on the storefront right now. Okay, that you can um, right. download. Uh, what's another? And also, um, honorable mention: Heroes of Umbra. Have you ever played that? Uh, I. Man, it, that it I wasn't. Think a, I had that one. I think it, I bought that one. It wasn't a Ouya title, but okay. um, a developer who I met through um, Twitter he he posted it like different versions before he actually released it. I think he released it like two years ago, but back then he was releasing different versions, and you can sideload it to your Ouya. And I remember playing that with a couple friends um, from Twitter because you can. Um, Basically, um, host a session and people can join. Okay. So yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna grab. I'm I'm taking notes. I'm writing these down. I'm gonna get that. I I think I I think I, God, I I think I got that game somehow. I don't remember how, but it I think might I, be one of the ones I, that I actually did play it too because it was a couple of my friends, <laughs> a couple a, a couple okay. group of us that actually tried it out. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna look those up. All right, any uh, closing thoughts on the Ouya? I mean, it's worth getting into, right? Oh yeah, I love it, especially if you love, I, love the Tinker. Yeah. Have you ha, have you um, checked out any like used Ouya prices? Are they dirt? Bo- I haven't even looked. Are they pretty cheap? Have you looked into that at all? Um, I haven't. Uh, I think the last I checked, they were around fifty bucks. Which isn't that's not so too bad if you wanted to get into it. So you can get a Ouya, hack it, get this huge library of games and emulators uh, and media players, and you could just have a nice little system that literally is like a two inch cube. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a two or three inch cube, right? And so, like, it doesn't take any space at all. Uh, I, I just think all. that's, that's awesome. set it up anywhere. Yeah. 
That is fantastic. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this segment, but I wanted to really thank you so much for joining me and enlightening me. I'm going to I'm definitely going to tackle this within a, probably a month or so. I'm going to just tackle this and I'm going to be posting my stuff on Twitter and the Pixel Guiden um, feed to uh, to show everyone. So I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Shout out to Cody. I want to say hi. What's up? We'll <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> All right, man. So I'm going to close this out. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Hi everyone, and welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. Coming up this month, it's me talking all about the VIC-20. Also, we've got an extra segment this month created by Danica, my daughter. She's going to tell you all about Mario Party on the DS. That's coming up later, but first... Here's me talking all about the VIC-20. This month we're going to talk all about the VIC-20, the original home colour computer, and it was well ahead of the game at the time. The VIC-20 is a computer I have great but brief memories of back in the early 80s. One of my friends had one just before I got my first computer. However, what I saw and played on the VIC-20 was amazing at the time. This was just before the ZX Spectrum was in the mainstream, and the only other computer I had access to was the ZX81 of another friend, and you can imagine the VIC-20 and the ZX81 were night and day, especially an expanded 16K game with amazing spot sound effects and colour. Let's get to the history and the nuts and bolts of the humble old VIC. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, a young engineer by the name of Robert Jans developed a prototype computer called the MicroPet. Robert Jans was an employee of MOS Technologies, which was at that time owned by Commodore, so he decided to take it to the boss of Commodore, Jack Trammell. Trammell was suitably impressed with the MicroPet and immediately said that it needed to be refined and made cost-effective as he knew that there was a market demand for reasonably priced micros. At the time, the only real options were expensive IBM and Apple micros. And of course, the PET from Commodore, which was still relatively expensive compared to what the VIC-20 could potentially be. The VIC-20 was intended to be more economical than the PET computer. It was equipped with 5K of static RAM and used the same MOS 6502 CPU, and using the new VIC colour chip designed by Al Carpentier. First shipping in 1981, the VIC-20 went through three different variations. First of all, with a standard VIC-20 logo badge, square-type keyboard similar to the PET keyboard, and a 2-pin 9-volt power adapter. Later, in the second and third revisions, a more familiar C64-style rounded keyboard was used, and the power connector was changed to the C64 round-style connector. The C64 PSU was able to power the VIC-20. However, the VIC-20 black brick-style PSU was not suitable for use on the C64, as the voltage was slightly lower. It would power the 64, but if you use any cartridges or user port expansions, the 64 would overdraw the power and cause issues. 
The VIC-20 went on to be an, an enormous success for Commodore. It would hit many sales milestones and firsts, with the computer itself becoming the first computer to sell over 1 million units. The VIC-20 had a line of five cartridge-based text adventures by Scott Adams. These alone sold in the region of $1 million in sales. The VIC-20 is well known for its cartridge format. This was because the built-in memory of the VIC-20 allowed only for 3K of its built-in 8K to be used out for out-of-the-box programs. These cartridges got around the limitations by using different size ROM chips, typically of 3, 8 and 16K. This is done by addressing addressing specific blocks inside the 6502 processor that can be assigned to read RAM or ROM from the cartridge edge connector. These being typically blocks 1, 2, 3 and 5. Using a combination of these blocks you can assign a maximum of 8K per block. So if you have a typical 16K game that would need to use 2 times 8 blocks some used blocks 1 and 5 together, and some used blocks 1 and 2, to give the total of 16k. Recently there is a game published by The Future Was 8-Bit, some of you may know, called Cheese and Onion. This game is unique in the fact it combines blocks 1, 2, 3 and 5 together. The VIC chip on board handles all the video and sound. Video is supported with two character sizes, 8x8 or 8x16, with a standard video resolution of 178x184. As the VIC is responsible for sound and video, there's no sprite generation support. All the graphics on the VIC-20 is generated by manipulating the standard character set to allow you to redefine the, redefine the characters and stitch them together to make up a graphic on the screen. The VIC-20 has a nice bright colour palette of 16 colours. So that's a little detail about the VIC-20. Let's get to the games. Depending on where you lived in the world would determine, as with the Commodore 64, the format of games you would be playing. In the USA, the early years of the VIC-20 were all about tape and cartridge. However, Moving on in the USA, the VIC-20 game sales would shift primarily over to cartridge, as at the same time it needed to compete with the quick loading of the Atari and other games consoles at the time. So most people just bought the VIC-20 on its own without a humble C2N tape deck. With the tape deck weighing in at around $50 to $40, many saw the advantage of buying two cartridge games rather than paying the price for the tape deck and then have to forward the game afterwards as well. However, Commodore in the UK, who were king of the bundles, shipped the VIC-20 and the tape deck together in a special family pack. Some starter software as well was included for around about £299. So once you had all that, you had the entry into the cheaper price games and abundant tape games, going as low from £1.99 from the budget house Mastertronic, with games like Psycho Shopper, Rockman and New York Blitz. One of the titans of the VIC-20 era was none other than the hairy yak himself, Jeff Minter, with games like Matrix, Gridrunner and Mega Galactic Llamas at the Battle of the Edge of Time. 
The ZX Spectrum Hero and Star of Manic Minor also got an outing on the VIC-20 with a game called Perils of Willy. I would recommend checking this one out. It's really good. However, the cheaper price games bubble was soon burst when you then had to factor in a RAM expander cartridge. These would take the form of a normal VIC-20 cart, but instead of a game, it would contain more RAM available to the VIC-20. These would often come in single format and were sold in 3K, 8K or 16K varieties. You would then need to swap out each cartridge depending on the RAM required for the game you were about to play. Later on, there were cost-reduced carts that were switchable between the different RAM modes. However, you still needed to turn off your VIC and switch the switch over and turn it back on again to get the right configuration of RAM. Bringing it right up to date, there is an amazing VIC-20 cartridge available from the Future Was 8-bit called the Penultimate Cartridge Plus. You may remember us mention this on the show a few times. Both myself, Cody and Eric have one of these for our VIC-20s. It not only gives you all possible RAM expansion modes that are software switchable so you can just reset the computer from the reset button on the cartridge as well, select your RAM mode and boot into BASIC with the required RAM and then load your game. The other amazing thing about the penultimate cartridge is the fact that it's crammed full of games right on one single cartridge including classics from the aforementioned Jeff Minter, whose VIC-20 games are now free to use. So some of the most recent games are also available, like Cheese and Onion and the classic Bomberman Pac-Man clone by Future Was 8-Bit called Rodman. The VIC-20 also had the 1541 disk drive available through it using the IEC port. However, there was never a huge amount of commercial software released on disk for the VIC-20, and I've got to be honest, I can hardly ever remember seeing any at all in the UK. What this does bring is the ability to use modern SD readers that plug into the disk port on the back of the VIC-20 and the cassette or the user port to power them. Then you can load games directly from the SD card, speeding up the loading of games that were only ever released on tape as people have made them available as .prg files to load quickly from disk images. One such device is again from the Future Was 8-bit and one that some of you might already have in your collection if you own a Commodore 64. This device is called the SD2IEC and yes, that also works on the VIC-20. There are tons of classic games available for the VIC I would recommend, if you don't have one, to grab an emulator and give them a go. Maybe it might pique your interest enough to, for you to take the plunge and grab one. I would recommend it. All the different game genres are well covered on the VIC-20, from arcade conversions like Donkey Kong, the amazing Gorf, and a sneaky clone of Rally X called Radar Rat Race. There is an awesome Pac-Man clone called Jelly Monsters. This is a must-play. It's an excellent version of the game and better than Atari Soft's own conversion to the Vic of Pac-Man. Also, give Ms. Pac-Man a try. That's a good one. Original Vic-20 games are also in abundance, with many fast-paced and addictive shmups like Grid Runner, Matrix, and also from Commodore the awesome Omega Race. 
there's an awesome fast-paced zapper for the VIC-20 that I would recommend. It's called Cyclone. It's quite rare to find as an original game, but it's also on the penultimate cartridge from Future Was 8-Bit. I'd recommend checking that out. There are also some great platformers on the, on the VIC, one of those being the aforementioned Perils of Willy, and also a game called Wonder Walter, released quite late in the VIC-20 original life cycle by Interceptor Software. That's well worth a look. There are even some flight sims for the VIC. One that springs to mind is Ace, Air Combat Simulator by Cascade Games. Oh, and speaking of Cascade Games, if you're really, really bored and have nothing better to do in life, then you can always pick up a copy of Cassette 50. If you don't know this one, Cassette 50 was released in 1983 and had 50 sort of games all on one tape. It was not only released for the VIC-20, but pretty much all of the 8-bit micros at the time. Most of the games were very quickly written, basic games, and a lot were unfinished or never even loaded. However, at the time, the idea of 50 games on tape, and also the offer of a free digital watch to go with it, was irresistible, and it sold really well. If, like me, you're into your racers, there's a brilliant one for the VIC called Death Race, published by Atlantis, again quite late in the development for the VIC in 1985. It's a great racer, and very much in the same style as Turbo by Sega, that had a famous port on the ColecoVision with the wheel and controller, and I think it also went onto the Intellivision. So there you have it, that's my take on the VIC-20 for this month. And now it's over to Danica with her review of Mario Party on the DS. Take it away, Danica. Mario Party on DS. Mario Party is a game I play on the Nintendo DS. Mario Party is not a normal single game. It has many games. You also plays many different Nintendo characters like Mario, Princess Peach, Wario, Luigi and Yoshi. There are different modes playing in the game. There are party mode, story mode and minigame mode. My favourite is party mode because I can play it against other characters in the game. Playing the game in party mode gives you 10 rounds. Each round is a minigame that you play against other characters. I mostly choose to play as Daisy because she wins most of the time. The idea of party mode is to let most stars, who gets the most at the end of 10 rounds, wins. Through the game you collect stars, but you can get stars taken away by hitting blocks and depending on what comes out of the blocks you either get coins or even take get stars or even it takes away stars in half time after five games Bowser comes along in between the next game gives coins or stars to take away some of the opponent's coins to help them ahead in the game I really like playing the game slots it has nice bright and colourful graphics in the normal Nintendo Mario style the music is joyful sometimes there are some gloomy scary parts in the music but all in all it's very happy music I'd rate this in Mario Stars out of 5 stars. I give it 4 out of 5 Mario Stars. It's a fantastic game, but there are some little parts in the minigames that can be frustrating. But all in all, I'd recommend you to give it a try on your DS. And that's Danica signing off. 
Everybody stay safe, live happy, goodbye. And we're back! Eric and Cody live in Pixel Guide N Studios. And it's time for us to crack open another beer and get into some six good games! So you got to tell us about this. Uh, you brought this to the table. I did bring this to the table. It is from Ten Barrel Brewing Company, uh, and it's a beer that was overpriced. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I kept seeing it at uh, the local supermarket, Rayleigh's, and it's always been for a six pack. It was thirteen ninety nine, so I never got to around to it because there was other beers that just looked more enticing. But it's in this crisp white can with like this sea green, seafoam green lettering, and it's called Crush Cucumber Sour. Uh, so I thought I'd try it, and I've tried it, but we'll drink it on the show. A nice, light, refreshing sour. It says drink beer outside. Well, we can't do that right we now. We done broke the rules, because that's who we are at Pixel Guide and We don't follow rules. <laughs> if your sign says, keep off the lawn, I'm stepping on it. So what All do you right. think? Uh, we do a little cheersy poo? Cheers! Cheers! Ah! I like how... See? Post-COVID, we're still going to, even though it's not post-COVID, but post-stay-in-your-house, uh, whatever it's called, yeah. <laughs> shelter at home, we're still going to use that bomb effect, because that's a, that's a, one of the blessings that came out of that's right. the COVID uh, thing here. So so I got a sour smell already from it. Yeah? It's clear. I mean, it's it's uh, it's got a little bit of a haze to it. Yeah. Very light yellow. Yep. Um, looks like urine, but in a good way? <laughs> Definitely, you can taste a cucumber. Cucumber and crisp. I feel like, have you ever done a, a spa treatment with your wife never. or by yourself? But I never have. I've done one, and they give you like cucumber lemon water. Yeah. This is like the beer version of cucumber lemon water. Okay. It's very light and crisp and refreshing. Do you get massages? Like massages? I did that one with her. Okay. Nope, I don't. I don't. The, the story I have is I did one in my life. Uh-huh. And I'm laying down there, and I'm getting the massage, and I felt uncomfortable the whole time. I just didn't like having another person have their hands on me. Yeah, yeah. And when I looked up, um, I looked up at her. She seemed, like, so disinterested, like it was just a job. And I don't know why that didn't sit well with me. Like, she wasn't happy, and she wasn't, like, <laughs> like comforting. She was just, like, like, wait, like looking at the clock, like, I'm, I can't wait to get off. And that... Like, I was like, I'm done. I'm never getting a massage again. And at that point, you're like, I don't even care. I'm not holding into my farts anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I should have released them right there. Like, this would have made it interesting for her. <laughs> oh, that is nasty. But anyway, um, and I don't know. I tell my wife that story. And she's like, well, she's not, she's not like, you think she's happy doing her job? I, mean, I just like how you went from like. This is weird. Someone's touching me and enjoying their job. And then you look over and she's like, wait, she's not even enjoying this? <laughs> and my <laughs> wife has the same sentiment as you do. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's really weird. It is weird, but yeah. But I don't know why. I I don't want her to be ecstatic. <laughs> I just don't I just don't want her to be like, oh, God. You know what I mean? It's just like... Well, maybe you should have gotten rid of that back pimple before you asked her to <laughs> maybe, rub it. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Or him. I don't know what... She didn't like my, my tramp stamp. Gosh. And <laughs> again... <laughs> All right, six good games, Eric, which we started two <laughs> minutes ago. Uh, these are, as we mentioned earlier, six good brand tie-ins is how we put it. Brand tie-ins. Games yeah. in which uh, marketed brands are on display, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we each pick three, as we normally do. 
we'll talk about them quickly and verify that they are indeed good games, because I'm not sure if yours are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we'll go from there. So um, I went first last time. Do you want to go first this time? Sure. I'm going to need some sensitive music for just oh. the beginning here. Okay. So picture a 15-year-old Eric. Oh, yes, I picture him. <laughs> Ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the masseuse, Eric. <laughs> Bright-eyed, bushy-tail, going for my first job. I got a job with my sister who was managing a Domino's Pizza. Okay. And uh, I would take the bus from Rio Linda all the way to Domino's on Watt Avenue. And I was just a pizza maker, and I'd go in and make pizzas, right? At that time, I was... We can kill the music now. The story's over. Um, at the time, um, the Noid was everywhere. Do you remember the I Noid? I remember the... I, yep. Avoid the Noid. So I, I was... destroys fresh pizzas. I was at peak Noid when I was 15 and working at Domino's. It was peak Noid time. Okay. We would have these t-shirts that we would hand out to, like, customers or something, and I had, like, seven of these t-shirts at home that I would wear. Um... I was at peak Noid time. So what I did was when I was looking for games, I found a game called Yo Noid. Mm -hmm. And I remember it, that one. Yeah, it is for the NES, the original NES. Nintendo Entertainment System. Yep. And um, I took some notes here on it. It is a re... I didn't know this, but at the time... It is a reskinned version of a Japanese title, and they just reskinned it. Which happened a lot back then, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it's an original Domino's game, but it is Yo Noid. Um, there, you are the Noid, and you have a yo yo, and you're running right. around. Okay. And you are kind of. It's Oh, one thing I wanted to mention this game is by Capcom. It is. So. Which Capcom makes good games. They make good games. And I was surprised that my overall opinion of this game is it's actually a really decent platformer. You go around, you grab the scrolls. If you hit the scrolls with your yo-yo, they can change into something. Okay. Um, different power-ups, and you can grab the different power-ups. There are bosses you hit, and you fight, and you knock them off. You basically need to get to the end of the level. It's definitely a left-to-right platformer. Left-to-right. There is a time limit, so it's kind of like Mario in that aspect. Um and really, that's it. I mean, and there's like this mini game, like where I think you saw the mini game when we first launched this. Um, the mini game is kind of like a card game, um, and there are no bosses. Those are the bosses. Are those mini card games at the end? Okay. Um, there's a bunch of different types of enemies that you attack. There are sewers that you can go that you can go to, and you drop down into the sewer, and you go to these pipe levels. Um, Ice level. I already found an ice level right off the bat. Yep, there is an overworld in this game. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, I guess, the Mario's in that style. There's like an overworld where you're making your way through the city. Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen that picture yet, but it is there. Um, there are two vehicles that he can jump in in different parts of this game. Like, there's one where you jump into a skateboard. And there is one where you're driving an, uh, I think they call it a gyrocopter. It's like flies. Okay, there's, yeah, like, yeah. there's like a flying level. Um... It is actually a surprisingly. There's the gyrocopter. <laughs> it, there is a It is a surprisingly very Alex kid right there. fun game. Yeah. So um, that's that. Based on Domino's so, Pizza, the Noid. Now the funny thing is the Noid's the enemy, but in yep. this one you're helping. You're the Noid. <laughs> but in this game you actually face the Dark Noid. He's like wearing a black suit, and, oh. and you can actually even become him in this game. You're avoiding the wrong Noid. Right. 
So that's yeah, it's funny. Yeah, he's the ba- he's like the Hamburglar, which is another weird thing with McDonald's goods a good villain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're supposed to make pizzas unfresh, but in this game, you're playing as hit the hero. That's right. You're playing this hero, but the Noid was uh, this elf guy that has these long ears. Kind of hard to explain, but he is supposed to take the, away the freshness of pizzas. That was his thing. <laughs> Avoid the Noid was, yep. the, was the catchphrase. So I remember this game when I was a kid. And I oh, remember, you do? Yeah, I, I remember seeing it, and I wanted it so bad. I don't. I think it was just the character the Noid was enticing to me for some reason. Um, I'm pretty sure I just saw him flip off everybody right there. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what. Tell me, I'll, I'll pause it when I see it. You'd let me know. Okay. Um, but this guy, I just thought it looked like the greatest game, and I don't know why. And then I played it probably a couple of years ago. I finally got around to playing yeah, it. Yeah, it does look like that. Huh? He's flipping us off. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be honest, I was very disappointed. And really? I... I played this for, I have to admit, I didn't play, I probably played it maybe an hour and a half. That's, yeah. Total time. More than I did. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it as a platformer. I'll try it again. Okay. I, I just thought it was very generic, and then level two, I think, was an ice level, so I was already frustrated. Yeah. I don't, I'll try it again. I'll try it again. It does look good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. One thing I, that impressed me about this game was it wasn't even about the game. It was about that the NES really did have a lot of platformers. Yeah. So if you oh, got yeah. tired, if you played through Mario and you were were really wanted to get another platformer, there was plenty to choose from. Listen to our next episode, Eric. Oh, all right. All right. My first one is uh, Cool Spot. We kind of mentioned this last time. Yeah. But Cool Spot, uh, I mean, a lot of people know about this game. I'll be quick about it. Um, I did go back and play some more of it uh, so I could be educated on it. And I actually originally, when I replayed this, kind of like you annoyed, I was kind of, uh, <clears throat> first I was really impressed, and then by level two I was kind of unimpressed. Yeah. And I don't think I ever wrapped my head around it, but now that I know it's by Virgin, it makes sense to me. So, cool spot, it doesn't sound like a brand tie-in, but you are a red dot. And you are literally the mascot of 7-Up, which is the red dot between the letter 7 and the word up. Right. The most ridiculous na- mascot of all time. They're exactly. Like, Let's take that dot and make him a guy with sunglasses. And somehow he is just so cool. I don't know what it was with like 90s mascots, like Chester Cheetah and, and Cool Spot and <clears throat> uh, um, even uh, Smack'em yeah. from, from, the, from uh, what was that cereal? Uh, Sugar Pops. Sugar Pops. Smack'em. Um, they all had to be super cool. Like they were just like, mm-hmm. like they uh they beat up kids for lunch money. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, you're the dot, and you're wearing sunglasses, and it's a more. I thought it was a left to right platformer, uh, and it's not really. And it always had this weird feel to it, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And now, knowing what I know now about the Amiga, this is like a um, super um, European Amiga style platform game. Yeah, and I kind of wonder, was there an Amiga version, do you know? It was I a SNES there and was. Mega Drive? There, there might be. I'll look that up here in a second. Um, and because a lot of Amiga games made their way to the, the, <clears throat> the Genesis or Mega Drive over there. Yeah. Um, but it definitely has that Amiga feel. And what I mean by that is super kind of uh, almost photorealistic-y graphics, mm-hmm. but where the sprites and the backgrounds don't really match, in my opinion. They're kind of almost, it sounds bad, but they're almost thrown together. Um uh, and then the gameplay is you walk really slow, but then you jump really far. It's kind of like this off-putting distance. Um, but then the the very European part about it is 
it's not just a get to the end of the level Japanese style platformer. It is a collect 'em up platformer, which is like a lot of Amiga games. Yep. There's little dots all over this place, and you have to collect a certain percentage depending on how hard you have the level set. So standard difficulty, you have to collect 60% of the dots. And once you do that, it says, all right, now you can go finish the level for no reason. And then you get to the end of or a part in the level where you see another cool spot locked in a cage uh, with an extreme checkerboard pattern around it. And you shoot the lock off and you free him and that's the level. Um, So the first level is this beach, which is, I mean, they're really creative. You're on a beach uh, with crabs and like uh, hermit crabs and like pincher crabs attacking you. Um, What I thought was interesting about it was um, it, it felt like a European platformer, but it also you could shoot like Vector Man. Okay. So it's kind of a um, platformer, but with a running gun feel to it. Um, music is super Genesis. Definitely uses a Genesis sound chip. Um, but, I mean, there's dots everywhere just willy-nilly. They're, everything's spinning and moving. Everything's got like a pseudo 3D effect to it. And um, I eventually got really into the flow of it. Honestly, the first level, which is usually the showpiece level mm-hmm. for most games it's probably the worst level i played i played about five levels and uh, they got better and better as they got longer um but the first level is just kind of left to right but i did enjoy how you get in the first level you get to a point where you're sliding down uh, beach chairs here's a beach chair right here he's playing in the balloons right now um and i totally had that seven up beach chair we still have it at my parents cabin yeah and it's a super low rider beach chair which it was green back and it had seven up logo on it we have that um and you bounce off of balloons a lot in this game and hang on to them and uh it's not an easy game you have to have platforming skills to play this game i i hear about this game all the time uh twitter and around on the internet i mean it's still pr- very highly regarded i i've never played it if you get enough spots, you can get a bonus level where you are basically in a 7-Up bottle, um, which is what this was here, and you just try to bounce off as many balloons and collect all the spots you can. Uh, the next level, I'll just go real quick here. Um, you're in like a pirate ship kind of a thing. They call it, oh, it's a pier. Pier pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this level, you're climbing up ropes and going through piers. There's boats docked in the background, and there's inchworms and uh, more fiddler crabs on this level. Um and you eventually end, end up inside a boat where mice are throwing cheese at you and there's Black Widows. It, I actually ended up really liking it, and I'm going to go back and play a lot more of it. Oh, cool. Um, it looks like a good game. I mean, it looks fun. You have to get the feel for it, because it doesn't... It's not... You get used to the controls. They're just not typical... You can see how slow he walks, mm-hmm. but then how far he jumps. So it's you like really got to get used to it. When he walks, he looks kind of janky, like his legs and arms are flopping around while um, he's walking. He'd be offended because he's being cool. He's being cool, Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. And in fact, when you collect the dots, your yeah. cool meter goes up. Ooh. All right. And, uh, and if you get hit by enemies, um, you lose your cool. Never good. <laughs> Never good. So that is cool spot on the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive and potentially the Amiga. I'll, I'll look that up. But Yeah. Um, Want to rate a beer here before we go? I was just going to say, let's take a little beer break and rate this bad boy. What do you think? Out of what? Yeah. So cool as a cucumber, Eric. Yeah, the cucumbers. There you go. Out of out of how many cool cucumbers? I'm going to say 40. 40 cool cucumbers. 40 cool cucumbers. So, my first impressions, it's it is a sour, but it's not overwhelming, which is good. I welcome that. 
I'd almost say it's underwhelming to a point. The cucumber part is a little weird at first, but you get used to it. Because I don't put <laughs> cucumber in my water. I don't think it's refreshing. Really? Um, oh, no. I, I do find it very refreshing. Um, I don't. I don't. Okay. I, I don't want to leave vegetables. You're wrong, but you know, vegetables to being wrong. Leave vegetables out of my drinks. <laughs> um, but it, no, I, I do like it. I'm going to probably give it a, let's see, out of 40, I'm going to give it a 31. 31 out of 40. It is refreshing. Yeah, I'll get. I mean, if it, if yeah, I'll give it a. Yeah, I'll give it a thirty-one too. I think we are simpatico on that. Right on. So, out of forty cucumbers, we get. I like the cut of your jib. A nice jib cut. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, what's the next good game, Eric? The next one that I picked was a another SNES game, Super Nintendo, and that is Chester Ooh, Cheetah. The aforementioned, aforementioned Chester Cheetah. Too cool to fool. Oh, I'm sorry. I cut you off. There's more to that name. <laughs> yeah. My bad. <laughs> so Chester Cheetah is the mascot for Cheetos. Although, interestingly, Cheetos is never mentioned in the game, which I okay. think is pretty interesting. Um, Sounds like another post the mascot over a game. In fact, the only real reference to that is that the his life bar is little Cheetos Curves. colored... <laughs> They're Chilo, Cheetos colored colored paws. The, so th- those used to be they had Cheetos paws. Yeah, like in the heyday of Cheetos. Yeah, yeah, you're they had, right. They yep, had paws yep. and they had like waggy tails and they yep. had all kinds of stuff. When you lose them, it loses its Cheeto covering, so it just becomes kind of transparent. <laughs> That's the only reference in the game. So in this one, he it is a platformer which um, you're you go around collecting those little paws. Um, you can stomp on enemies, so you can hit them on the top. Um, you, when you grab this guitar, you go like immortal where you play it and anything bouncing on you, like, uh, gets knocked off, but see how cool he is. Look yeah, how, that's cool. Look how cool he is dancing around playing the guitar. Which is funny because apparently in the eighties doing mm-hmm. 1950s, like James Brown stuff was cool still. Yes. Or definitely. cool again at that point. I don't know. Absolutely. Now I noticed it's, you, it's almost like a beat em up in which you can go back and forth in the screen. You can, you can go back and forth. Yep. Okay. So, but you, you don't watch really... your shadow. Yeah, you don't really have to go back because it's not like a Metroidvania where you could go back to different levels to unlock things. It's not. It's not like that though. You okay. keep moving forward to exit the level. Once you exit the level, you can't go back to that level. Um, the animation though is kind of is interesting. You can dash like he's dashing right now. Um, there is no time limit in this game. Um, it looks th- hard to control. No, it's no. not really hard. Um, it has parallax scrolling. You can see the grass. Scrolls and the background scrolls. Big um, boss. You saw those manholes as we were coming in. Mm-hmm. You can go down those manholes into the sewer, and there's whole little sub levels to go through to collect things. Very Mario. This is the first boss you encounter. Um, there are ropes to climb in later in later parts of this game. Um, it, th- by the way, this is a game by Kaneko. They made a okay. cup, they made a bunch of different games. Um, that's really what I got. It's a platformer. It is a yeah. platformer, but it is fun. Yeah, kind no, of a unique if you art style. It, it almost looks like The Simpsons. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is a platformer, but it is another good platformer. If you run out of platformers to play on the SNES, don't let like that it's Chester Cheetah or, or yeah. like a branded game throw you off. It's a fun one. I, I actually, yeah. I probably played this more than, than the Yo Know It game. I probably played this for two or three hours. Oh, wow. You really got into it. Yeah. And I got to the third level which i think there's four main levels i got to the third one 
Gotcha. Huh. Very bright. Almost has this level almost looks like a uh, Tommy Bahama shirt and it's, or a fantasy zone. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. I mean, it, it, when you when you sit idle, like let's say you get busy, like you're checking your phone or something, and you stand there, he'll look at you and stomp his foot. He's and, got a lot of personality. They just had him run into a tree like, yeah. mid game and just smack his face into a tree. Yep. Um, interesting. I would not have thought this would be good. And there's two of them. There's two. There's Chester, Chester Cheeto games. Wild Wild Quest. Okay. <laughs> and there's Chester Cheetah Too Cool to Fool, which is this one. They're both they're both on SNES and Sega Mega Drive. Okay. Or Genesis. Gotcha. Yeah, we live in America. Here Eric. in the, here in the colonies. America. All right. We talked about this a lot last episode, so I'm not gonna go into too much detail. Okay. Uh but when every time I say that I talk for twenty minutes. <laughs> uh Chex Quest. Yes, we we have talked about this. Yeah, I just I couldn't not put it on here. This was such a part of my childhood. Um mm-hmm. So I'm play the original here. So, Chex Quest uh, was a game that came in a box of Chex cereal, mm-hmm. even though it really uh, more amplified their sales efforts for Chex Mix. Okay, um, but you're <clears throat> it's based on the Doom engine, and it was a PC game. And in fact, if you look at everything about it, like that was how Doom was that. Um, Very. I saw the beginning there. There's Chex Quest. You can new game load it. You can choose the difficulty. And everything melts down the screen, and then you're in the game. Instead of a picture of your face and how damaged you are, it's a picture of a piece of checks with two eyes. Um, I mean, it is Doom. This is Doom. Um, but the levels are completely different. It's not like they reuse Doom levels. Um, There's checks branding on the walls. You can see the little signs that say checks. Yep. Um, and there's a cue with a little lightning bolt. That's the quest thing. And you're basically, it's a cheesy tagged on story about um, aliens called Flemoids that are coming down to steal the checks or something. And you have the little zapper. You know, it's not ultra violent, right? You're, you have a little zapper, so aliens just kind of disappear when you zap them enough. Um, but it's a great Doom game built on the Doom engine. Um, everything works the same way Doom does, where like the sprites are always facing. They're 2D sprites in a 3D space. So, like, that spaceship, you'll only ever see the back of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, as you rotate around it, you just yeah. see the back of it. Just like just like Doom with the characters, except it's not as obvious in Doom. They hide yeah. it better. Um, it's funny, though, because your power-ups are, like, a, a complete balanced breakfast. <laughs> so you, you pick up, like, a bowl of fruit. Um, like, there's a bowl of fruit there. Um, but, I mean, it's fast. It's exciting. The sound effects, the, the weapons are not nearly as satisfying with the sound effects as they are in Doom, which is a big part of Doom. Um, you don't get the BFG. You don't, but you do get. Yeah, I mean, your guns get bigger and bigger, and they're more exciting. The second level is your, uh, you know, your warehouse level, your big warehouse level. There's a a bowl of carrots and uh, broccoli <laughs> for a pickup. Um, but yeah, you got guns, you got ammo, you've got uh, jumping and walking around warehouses, and just like the Doom engine always is, there's no levels on top of levels. So if you go upstairs, you're going to a, you know, if you're looking down at a top down map. There yeah. can never be something above something else. Um, you collect keys, just like in Doom, to open doors. And the best part about it was how Doom it was, and it was free. And then there was actually three episodes, just like Doom. Oh, wow. Uh, so in the serial, you got one episode, and then I think another serial, you got, you got later episodes <laughs> as you kept going. Um, but it was shareware, or freeware. So to this day, you can go and download the original Chex Quest for free and play it. And, and it still legal. plays on modern... I just I downloaded it and put it on my computer and I played a ton of it. I just had a blast. Now, what you're going to find is also free right now is a remake called Chex Quest HD. Mm-hmm. So when I first tried to download Chex Quest, this HD one was everywhere, 
And so I was, I was all excited about it. So first of all, I downloaded it uh, from Steam. My computer can't run it. <laughs> it oh, it wow. runs on the run, Unreal 4 engine. Oh, okay. Uh, so I put it on my laptop, which is more powerful, which I bought because I want to be able to play stuff. And it could run it, but it was it felt it felt uh, tacky. I don't know, like barren, and everything just felt I don't know wrong. I don't know how to explain it. Sure. The original Chex Quest is good. Right on. Do not do not play the HD one. It's not good. Okay, it looks good. I mean, this looks like Doom. It is. I mean, the effects and everything. You change colors on the tra- on the teleportation. Uh, teleportation. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's Chex Quest. There it is. Boom. Cool. Secret hidden levels. Some of the sound effects. Oh, there's the best. Instead of a um, chainsaw, you get a spoon. <laughs> You're attacking enemies with a spoon. It's the BFS, the big freaking spoon. The big freaking spoon. <laughs> Love it. It was like... <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim, for chiming for in. For hopping in there. We'll talk to you soon. So my last one here is... Pepsi Invaders. It's funny, you and I went to kind of the same route here. but Yeah, on the Atari 2600. And okay. this is half the game, which is Space Invaders, but I, it, it's, which I, I enjoy playing a game of Space Invaders once in a while. But it's also half the history. I got so much hate from my last episode where I talked about how I don't enjoy that game and various other classic games. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. remember, I remember you getting hate about the Galaga, but you, yeah. about Space Invaders too? Uh, Space Invaders are worse than Galaga. Sorry, continue. What's this good game about, Eric? <laughs> so, one twist about... Okay, so the history of this game is this game was actually released at a convention and there were only 125 copies distributed to just salespeople. And they were distributed to salespeople with an Atari 2600. Oh, wow. So they gave the Atari 2600 and this. And this is called Pepsi Invaders, but it was it was made by coke and so every once in a while they'll say coke wins at the top that's funny so a lot of times it's mislabeled as coke wins or coke invaders but it's well, actually funny because there's pepsi written 10 times as much as there is coke on the screen and that's the first thing i thought of was like well this is just really bad like um brand management because you're putting your competitor's name all over all the over game it. and it's getting mistaken now the one difference about Space Invaders is that you have three minutes to clear this. You don't have that in Space Invaders. So regardless of what you do, if the time runs out, you lose. So you have three minutes. It's kind of the opposite in, the, in, okay. uh, in things. You Basically, the aliens come down, they'll, they'll hit you, and you die. Um, so it does have an interesting twist above Space Invaders. Um, My blood pressure's going up. Yep, yeah, it's pretty colorful. Um, it, it really is just Space Invaders with, with the time twist in reverse. Um, right now, it is one of the most sought-after 2600 games because it's so rare. Like I said, they only released 125 copies of this. So if you get a copy of this, it's it's worth a lot of money. It was released in 1983. Send it our way. We'd love a copy in our collection. Yeah, right, exactly. Eric? Exactly. Um, the, the game was packaged in a black cartridge without a label and only released at the 1983 sales convention where it was given along with an Atari 2600 console to 125 sales executives, uh, at, on this Wikipedia page, the last time it was checked, you can get one of these for about almost $2,000 on eBay. That's like a buck a shot. That's right. But it really is just Space Invaders with with the aliens changed to letters for Pepsi, and then there's one other one that looks like a regular alien. Um, Interesting. Actually, it's the Pepsi logo, the one at the top. 
The little spaceship? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the one logo. at the top, yeah. So I went in a similar route. My last good game here is a game that some people probably get frustrated at, but my sister and I loved it. So my first console was an NES. I've told the story. And mm-hmm. then I played a few, played it a ton. My dad one day pulls this old Atari wood grain thing out of the out of the garage and said, we used to play this. Yeah. Do you want this? It has like 30 games, right? Oh, yeah. And half of the games didn't have the cartridges. It was just the, the motherboard that, or the circuit board. Yeah. So I would be plugging those in. And one of those random circuit boards was Kool-Aid Man. Cool. And so 2600, Atari 2600 Kool-Aid Man is my game. And it's similar in that it is a huge brand tie-in. Oops, we're going to go ahead and have an advertisement here real yeah. quick. A huge brand tie-in for Kool-Aid. Um, and I love playing this game. Uh, looking at it now, I can see why it's frustrating. But look at this. He busts through the wall. He busts through the wall on oh, the yeah. 2600. And so you're literally a jug of Kool-Aid. And these little like bomb guys float back and forth around the screen. And they put these little straws down into a lake of, I guess, grape Kool-Aid. And you try it while they're drinking. You hit them and get rid of them. If you hit them when they're not drinking, they start bouncing you around the screen. You can hear that? Yeah. Let's see, let me hit, see them uh, bounce. There you go. Oh, yeah. So you're sitting there trying to clear all these guys who are drinking your Kool-Aid without them taking too much of your Kool-Aid, and you have a time limit. And if you can get rid of all of them in time without them drinking all your Kool-Aid, you get the next, go to the next level and you get more, more and more points. Um, every once in a while, a little letter, like a, circ- a, 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 a square around a K for Kool-Aid, We'll go through the screen, you get that, and you become kind of invincible for like ten or five seconds. Yeah. And you just go crush everything. And I saw him get big, too. Yep, like that's he, how... He's yep. got a power-up. He gets big and busts through a wall and goes, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Although he doesn't really do that on 2600. Right? No, he doesn't do the oh, yeah part, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the frustrating part of the game, when there's just many of these guys and you start bouncing, yeah. you can be bouncing for 10, 15 seconds without being able to stop, and it drives you nuts. But you just... There he goes. He's bouncing. Yep. You just got to be better than that, Eric. That's you all got, there's to it. You got to be better. I, I love this game. I think... It looks cool. Yeah. It looks it's colorful. Cool. It's fun. It's The sounds are decent for an Atari. It's very interesting. I mean, it's it's more interesting than most games on the Atari 2600. Um, did you drink a lot of Kool-Aid when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, sold it. We did, too. Oh, yeah. There you go. Adding up his, his score. Extra time. It's very colorful. Uh, this reviewer on uh, YouTube gave it a... Thumb in the middle for decent average, not great, but I loved it. <clears throat> I grew up with it, so yeah. Eric, that was six good games, right on. And that is an episode of Pixel Gaiden. Yeah. All right. We want to thank you guys for hanging around. On our next episode, uh, which will come out on the fifteenth. No, no, this one comes out on the fifteenth. They'll come out on the thirtieth. Eric, thirty, th- three zero. Three zero. I'll get it right. <laughs> I got it. Uh, we're going to. Uh, have a battle of the systems between two more brand tie-ins mm-hmm. uh, mcdonald's treasure land on the genesis and mc kids otherwise known as mcdonald land in europe i think yeah on the nintendo entertainment system uh we're also going to catch up talk about what we've been up to in our personal retro gaming hobby along with our boy tim from the uk and i think uh, we have i mean it's another packed show so yeah uh, this one ran a little long again, as usual, but um, thanks for hanging out with us, and I guess we'll talk to you guys soon, yeah. right? What do they say, Eric? It's dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. 
please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>